Joe's podcast patreon episode 29 previews in a half shell i'm your host ryan and welcome back everyone i'm gonna keep this really this intro really short and sweet hopefully um it's about one o'clock in the morning on uh thursday now i guess you would say uh, uh the 28th of uh january uh what you're about to hear is the, is long overdue, and I apologize for that. I apologize there hasn't really been a Star Joe's episode in about a month now. Um, I know you guys probably weren't expecting much during the holidays and stuff like that, but I really did intend on coming back and getting more done in January than I did, which is basically nothing. Um, so I do apologize for that. Um, my plan was to be more consistent in 2021 and actually... From this point forward, that should be possible. I should be able to get episodes out on a more regular basis, get the uh, YouTube videos on a more regular basis. Um, just had a lot of things going on when it comes to the comic, when it comes to um, just life in general and things like that. So um, haven't set time aside for the podcast, and that's what I need to do because it gives me a nice break. Um, and I like getting stuff out for you guys because I like talking about this stuff. So, um, but 
you're going to hear in the next episode, uh, in the episode that follows, this was the previews and half shell. I recorded this in mid to late November. I uh, had all intentions of it coming out in December, uh, but it was also because, as you'll hear, I thought that the one Patreon episode was completely lost. Um, and as you guys all know by now, it was not. Uh, I found it later. So you're going to hear me talk about things like that. Oh, you know, I may have already mentioned this in the previous episode. And I would always also explain like that, that episode was lost, which again, obviously it wasn't. So, um, but I needed to do a new intro. So here we are. Um, since the last recording of that episode, I have been getting caught up on comics. Uh, I have been, uh, so that I can talk more about stuff I'm reading because one of the things I did in this latest episode that you're about to hear is I talked about my thoughts on a couple of the bigger titles that came out, which were, uh, the three jokers and Joker. War. Um, so I'm hoping that I can do that more in the future where I kind of talk about something that, uh, potentially that I really liked. So I, I don't want it to always be something negative that might happen. There might be something where I just really need to talk about something that I didn't enjoy that was supposed to be a big deal or something like that. But, um, I did talk about two like crossover events or big event type things from DC that, um, that I really enjoyed. So, um, also, uh, things are progressing well in the comic. You'll hear me talk about that. Uh, but since that recording, now the comic is with the printer, uh, should be having that about mid, uh, February, the, art book behind these things. Art book is done and that's what the printer should have that early February. Um, right now, uh, the last two things that I'm working on and, and, uh, they are the last two things, thankfully that I need to work on. And then I can focus on things like writing the next scripts and, um, looking for a publisher and things like that. Uh, but it's the digital coloring book, which is coming along really nicely. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, and then the, annotated script. Uh, I got the prints already back. I've got the bookmarks already back, um, from printers. They look amazing. So really excited about all that. So you're going to hear me talk more about the comics and the the comic and everything else in the episode ahead. Another thing I wanted to mention, uh, before we get into the episode is you're going to hear me mention about how I'm going to do another previews episode, and then I'm going to do a flash review, uh, before things go back to being on Patreon, being paid only. I am still, uh, that was all supposed to happen in January. Uh, obviously that's not going to happen, but I still intend to fulfill that promise. So after this episode, there will be one more previews episode from me and then a flash review episode that will be available for free to everybody before we go back to, uh, Patreon being for paid members only. Um, I did keep uh, if you're interested and been enjoying these types of episodes, uh, they are longer as you can tell, um, typically, uh, and, uh, to get these extra episodes, it's like $3 a month. So I feel like that's a fair, you know, relatively inexpensive price. Um, it's like, a, it's less than a cup of coffee a day. So, and you get, get it for a month, you get to support the channel. Um, and some of the things that I'm, hoping to do in the future, like getting, uh, actual camera exclusive for doing YouTube videos. So I can do those a little bit more regularly because it'll always be set up and I just have to turn the camera on. 
I do hope to be able to start releasing YouTube videos once a week. Um, even if it's just me talking about something and not doing a formal like review where I have to do a lot more editing and stuff like that, of like inserting photo uh, images and things like that. Um, but we'll see. I, I, obviously there'll be times where I don't, I'm not able to fill, fill that, but I kind of mapped things out as far as like being able to get episodes out on a more regular basis. Star Joe's episodes outside of January, I should be able to get two Star Joe's episodes out a month, plus a Patreon, at least one Patreon episode out a month. So, um, in February, there will be two Patreon episodes because I want to get one more previews episode out and that flash episode out for you guys. So, and then like I said, in March, then we'll go back to, uh, Patreon episodes being exclusive to, uh, paid members only. Um, I hope you've been enjoying these. Uh, I have enjoyed having a bigger audience listening to them. Um, so it's, it's been fun. Um, with that being said, I don't think I have much else to really update you guys. Like I said, you're going to hear me mention certain things. Um, I did find out that the, the little preview. So when I get to it in the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about, but there was a droid that I didn't recognize the, uh, the classification to. And, uh, here it was, uh, the droid from rebels. So that's the, the class. Uh, I just didn't recognize the classification of the droid. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's what that was. Um, there's a lot of other things that after I mentioned it in this episode, since I found out like, Oh, that this is what that is. Okay. So like the Robin King, um, I thought this was like a dark version of Damien. Um, but I didn't read the issue yet at that time. I have read the issue since then, and it's actually, um, a young Bruce Wayne. So that's who the Robin King is from an alternate universe where young Bruce Wayne goes dark. Um, so, uh, so next Patreon episode, I will probably talk about death metal, which I have finished completely. And I will talk about some of the future state books, which I've read a lot of those already. I am working right now. I'm getting caught up on my Star Wars titles, so I can talk more knowledgeably about those. Um, really want to focus on getting caught up on the Star Wars titles, so I can really talk about those a lot more knowledgeably rather than just telling you the titles that are coming out. So um, that is everything. Again, wanted to keep this intro short and sweet because there's about three hours of material ahead for you guys, and I wanted to get this episode out. So uh, I was like, crap, I need an intro. And I wanted to kind of get the editing of this, uh, put together. I have editing all done. I just need to put this intro in front of that and then I can run it during the day later t today, I guess you would say, <laughs> um, I can run it later today and get it out later today. So, um, so again, apologize. It's been a really long time since I've gotten the episode out to you guys. That shouldn't happen again this year. Knock on wood, barring any, uh, major catastrophes, which let's hope for 2021. There aren't any more of those. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode and, uh, please also feel free if you're on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, when I post these episodes, please feel free to comment on whether you're in the Facebook group or the Facebook fan page, feel free to comment about anything I talk about in these episodes. Uh, or if you just want to talk about things I talk about and you don't want to put it out publicly, you can Facebook message me. If you 
Uh, you can email the show at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Um, anything like that. I love having conversations with people and getting their thoughts on something that they read or something they, that I talked about and get their input. I know in this episode specifically, I talk about some stuff. Uh, one of the things I mentioned is, and I've had a lot of time to think about it since then, obviously I mentioned, is there a comic that, um, that you wouldn't like if it, if all of a sudden the, 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 you bought it at cover price or bought it at a, a decent price and then all of a sudden that kind of skyrocketed to say like $3,000. Um, I know that's not maybe a skyrocket for some people, but like if you bought it for two bucks or three bucks and then it skyrocketed up to $3,000, that's a, that's skyrocketing in my, my book. Um, is there a comic you wouldn't sell? And at the time of this recording, I said there wasn't like any comic that I got, I would, uh, if also the price went up to $3,000, I would absolutely sell it. Um, since then I've had time to think about it and I will say it would be a lot harder for me to do that with any of my star Wars comics. Um, simply because if the price of the comic actually went that high and was going to stay that high, um, I would have a hard time selling it because I'm actually working on, as I've mentioned in past episodes, I'm actually working on getting all of my con, all the floppy versions of the dark horse star Wars comics. I have obviously all the Marvel ones of contemporary. I don't have all the Marvel ones of the original run. I just never collected those in issues of a couple of them. Like I have number one and I have a few other issues. Um, but I never got the full run of that one might be something I collect one day. Um, but I have all dark horse in one form or another, but I'm working on getting all the dark horse comics in floppy version. Um, that's going to be a lot harder, uh, because they, um, there's the first appearance of Ahsoka in comic version has gone up a lot. I luckily have that one and got it at cover price when it came out. Um, so that's a good example. Cause I think that one's going for like $300 now or something like that. I bought it at cover price when it came out. I wouldn't sell that one. Like I'm not looking to sell that one. Um, will the price of that come down over time? Probably. Um, I'm not sure on that, but I would think it would. Um, but right now, Heir to the Empire comic, I don't think I have the miniseries of that. And that's the first appearance of Throng. And of course, that one's going up huge right now. Um, I think it's selling for... I, huge is relative, of course, but I think it's selling for like 150 to $200, maybe even more than that now. Um so that one's gonna be a lot harder for me to get. I know I have a friend who mentioned that he might have it. And if he has it, he'll, uh, he would sell it to me. So that would, uh, be very helpful. Um, I don't want to call out who it is, but it's just, it's a friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I, I'm working towards getting all those in floppies and there's not many that I need. I think there's maybe at this point, maybe 30 to 50, somewhere in that range, 30 to 50 dark horse star Wars comics that I need to complete all of my floppies, which when you think about how many dark horse star Wars comics there were, that is not a lot at all. Um, so, so yeah, I, I need to go through what I have. I did make a list at one point and, uh, not sure where I put that list. So I got to figure that out, but so it would be very hard for me to 
think of a, to, for me to get rid of a Star Wars comic that went up to $3,000 or $4,000 um, simply because if I thought it was going to stay at that price. If, if I thought, oh, in five years, ten years, I could probably get it again, um, I would probably have to think about selling it then uh, because it's like, well, I'll, I'll get $3,000 and then, you know, five years from now, I could probably buy the issue again for 200 or something like that. Um, yeah, so that would be, that would be the tough one for me. Uh, anything else that I have? No. Any, everything else that I have, I could, I might think about it for a second, but I would sell it. Like, I don't think there's any other comics that I have that if the price drastically went up from what I bought it at, um, that I would be like, no, I'm going to hold on to it. Um, of course, if it went up that high, I would question like, Ooh, do I want to hold on to it or not? But I would still sell it. The star Wars ones would be the exception. So, so there, I answered something that, uh, you'll be hearing about. So <laughs> from my, from the past, uh, from the past. So, uh, all right. So I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. I will uh, talk to you guys again very soon, I promise, uh, with another Patreon where I'm covering more uh, review uh, of the previews. And then, like I said, we'll do the Flash episode. Uh, I am reaching out to some uh, creators about having them on for interviews because I know that was mentioned as far as bringing some creators back. And I've had ones in the past that have told me they'd be interested in coming on. So it's just a matter of me reaching out to them. I do want to get John... Uh, and Robert and Chuck on episodes again in the near future so we can catch up and talk about stuff that's going on and, uh, yeah, have some ideas for this year. Definitely want to cover more car- the cartoon episodes. If we can finally finish this year, the GI Joe cartoon and, uh, maybe move on to, uh, another cartoon that'd be fun to talk about from our past. Um, and then, yeah, I want to do a few other things. I have some ideas for, for movie stuff. Um, have some ideas for, uh, some things that have been mentioned in the past. So, uh, so yeah, stay tuned this year. It should be, should be a fun year. Definitely. This show is not over yet, so don't worry about that. Not going anywhere. Uh, but with that, go ahead and turn things over to myself and you guys, uh, take care and hope you enjoy. It's been a while since I had a Patreon episode, and that actually was by accident uh, this time. So, um, what had happened is I actually had recorded a Patreon episode, uh, previews in Half Shell, uh, where I was covering some older catalogs, and it was a, over two hours long, somewhere around two to two to two and a half hours long. And um, what had happened is. I, I was supposed to re- release that before episode 250, um, and to give myself enough time to kind of get that edited and get that out there and everything else. Well, that, uh, didn't happen. So what I was doing though is I was, after I was done recording that is I actually started to, um, go through, go through on the recorder device old files because I didn't need them anymore and I wanted to make sure I had enough space on the, um, the drive. So I went through and started deleting everything out, not knowing that I had not already downloaded the most recent episode. I thought I already had it on my laptop and, um, had transferred it on there. And here I didn't. And when I went back, 
the file was gone, uh, of course, on the recorder, and the file was not on my laptop. So, <laughs> uh, the problem with that is that once I'm done recording the previous episode, um, I don't hold on to the previous catalog. I get rid of it because I'm, I don't need it unless there's some reason I held on to it. Like, oh, I, I want to look this particular book up or something like that after I'm done recording because I just noticed it. Um, so yeah, so that is a lost Star Joe's episode. I, unless I saved it somewhere that I didn't realize, it's just, out there in in the past and will never be heard, unfortunately. So, um, so you were supposed to get more episodes than you guys did. So, uh, sorry about that. Uh, but like I said, it was just a mistake, and and I don't know what the hell happened. So, um, couple things, uh, just housekeeping type things. Uh, one is, uh, hopefully everyone's staying safe and healthy. I know that I've heard from different people about, uh, people getting COVID and, um, my, all my thoughts, prayers, everything go out to you. I know there's not much more I can do other than that. Um, but I wish you nothing but the best and hopefully, uh, it's something mild and it's over quickly for you and that it doesn't spread to any of your loved ones. So um, with that being said, I will still keep saying to wear a mask. It is not a political statement. It is not taking your rights away. I don't even know what goddamn rights you're referring to when you're saying it's taking your rights away. You're required to wear clothes out in public. You're required to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. And I know the seatbelt thing is a law and the clothes thing is probably a law too. I don't, I just don't fucking care. Um, this thing is getting out of hand and you can tell me all day long that masks don't help. Sorry, but science has proved otherwise. And even if science didn't prove it, or you have some weird website that shows you that it doesn't work, it's not hurting anyone for you to wear it. And it potentially could be hurting someone by you not wearing it. So keep the social distancing up. Keep uh, your washing your hands and keep wearing a mask when you're out in public. Um, it's for the benefit of everybody. Uh, you know, this thing wasn't that bad in the spring, uh, because people actually cared and people were actually doing stuff because people were scared. Well, guess what? You should be scared again. Um, people are looking out for your best interest. I'm looking out for your best interest when I say this, like this isn't a, uh, political rally. This isn't a me trying to infringe on your rights. I'm imploring people to follow guidelines so that we can get this damn thing under control. I know a vaccine's coming, but a lot of people can die before that. So that's the last thing I'm going to say about that. Uh, I'm glad the election is over. Uh, I'm not, again, not going to be political, so I'm not going to say who I voted for. If you want to know, you certainly can reach out to me. I don't make it a secret as far as who I voted for and why. Um, but I'm hoping the, the big thing, the reason I even mention it is I'm hoping the big thing is that once all the dust settles and everything uh, it, we have, uh, a president in place and everything else. I'm hoping that people will start calming the fuck down. <laughs> I'm hoping people will just start caring about each other again. It is great to be passionate about stuff and it is great to have different opinions on things. That is what makes this country great. And that is what, uh, makes us better. You know, I can have one opinion, you can have another and we can both be passionate about it, but we need to at least be able to listen to each other. And, uh, if we can do that, 
then we might start seeing some insight in what the other person is saying. And then we can actually come to find some common ground and could actually come out with a better resolution than what either of us could have done individually. And that's really the idea behind this whole country is it's all people coming together to make it better. So, um, so yeah, that's the only reason I mentioned the election is just because I'm hoping that the animosity that we saw between people, uh, dies down and that we start realizing who, uh, these people are, they are our friends, they are our family and we are all Americans. So, um, well, all of you listening not be, might not be Americans, but, uh, you guys have all seen what we've been going through. Those of you from other, uh, other countries and everything else. So, uh, then the last thing I wanted to mention is just some stuff that came up recently. Uh, with the Facebook groups and stuff is, um, uh, again, I, I just want to bring it up because it was, it was something fairly recent, uh, that happened again, which is, uh, like I was just mentioning, we can have differing opinions on things. Uh, we could have not the same viewpoints on things, but the thing that will not be tolerated in any of the social media channels is, uh, number one, we won't do politics. And the other thing is we won't, uh, allow for personal attacks. So you can have different opinions from each other. You guys could, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that hate the new star Wars movies. I love them. That's fine. We can have a debate. We can have a discussion. We can have an argument. And I mean an argument in the truest sense of argument, which means that we have differing opinions. I don't mean an argument in that we start personally attacking each other. Cause like I said, that's the thing that won't be tolerated. Um, and I know a lot of you guys listening, uh, probably most of you are not those people. Like I know we have a large group on the Facebook fan page who don't listen to the podcast at all. It'd be great if they did, but they don't. Um, I hope some of them eventually will. And if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Um, but I know that there's been some things where people just start going at each other, call, you know, start calling each other names and start making fun of each other. So I, I don't put up with that none of us on the show do. Um, it's one thing to do something in jest and in joke and everything else. It's another thing to make fun of, uh, in a nasty way and go at somebody. So, uh, recently had somebody who was making fun of all the people that uh, were upset with the things going on with Hasbro line and stuff like that. And the people that were upset had a right to be upset. Um, but this person decided to just make fun of others for it and saw that he was doing this in other groups. And I basically stepped in as I do when I have to, and I don't like doing it, but I do when I have to and said, Hey, we don't do that here. Um, you know, let's cool it. Everything else, the person decided to go further with it. And so I gave a second warning and said, look, it's not cool. You know, again, we don't do this here. And the person decided to keep it up. So the person got kicked out of the group on Facebook. Um, simple as that. I give, I give you a couple tries. That's, that's it. And if you can't, there's no, well, okay, this time I'll be good. Now you, you were given a couple tries already. Um, so, uh, that's when I have problems. And so I kicked this person out of the group. That person I was actually connected to on Facebook, uh, just in my list of friends. Uh, that person decided to go ahead and block me. Uh, 
And because of that, I never saw any of his posts anyplace else, which fine. You know, if you're going to be a child about something that you actually are not holding yourself accountable for, um, then that's on you. It's not on me. Uh, but I had a couple of people reach out to me saying that he was posting in other groups, uh, saying bad things about Star Joe's podcast, which I appreciate people reaching out, letting me know, you know, showing your concern for the show and for me. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, but I'll let you guys know, I don't care. Um, let him be a baby about it and let him go ahead and do whatever he's going to do. Uh, it's childish behavior. Um, just because you didn't want to follow what I'm asking you to do, which is don't pick on fellow people. Um, and you didn't want to listen when I gave you a couple chances to not do that and be a decent human being. Um, you're going to act childish like that. That's fine. I guess he was saying like, Oh, the show was good until the host started talking about his comic. Well, guess what? I'm creating stuff. I'm creating podcasts. I'm creating YouTube videos and I'm creating a comic book. Of course, I'm going to use the platform that I have to do so. If Chuck was creating something or John or, or anybody else, you know, we've had Robert on when he's creating something. Uh, we've had other creators on when they're creating stuff, you know, John is creating his, you know, he has his HR social hour. He, we promote the hell out of that on the show here. Uh, it's a great show and I'm excited for John and the opportunity he has. Um, like I said, it, you use the platforms you have. So you don't like it, then go listen to something else. I don't care. It's like, I, I'm thrilled with the people that listen and are part of the community. And if you're a new listener and you've never interacted with me, but you enjoy the show, Hey, great. That's great too. I I love anyone that wants to listen. And I love anyone that wants to be part of the community and wants to just enjoy the stuff. This, we're talking about simple little things that are just meant to make life better. Uh, comic books, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and you don't have to like it all, but, you know, like, don't bash others for it. So, um, yeah, like I said, that type of behavior. And it wasn't just him. There was people on the Facebook fan page, like I said, they probably don't even listen to the show, that just started getting nasty. And then when I tried to step in, they, they acted like, oh, Mr. High and Mighty, like, you don't get to tell us what what to say. And it's like, yeah, actually that's my page. I do get to say, <laughs> you know, this isn't, this isn't a, uh, freedom of speech democracy type thing. This is, this is our page. You know, it's Chuck, John, mine. It's our show. It's our page. Yeah. We, if we think someone's getting out of line and saying crap that we don't want to see on there, then yeah, we do get to step in and we do get to say what's on the page and what's not. So, um, I would never go onto someone else's page and tell them what they can or cannot post there. So, uh, or what they, you know, that they can't tell me what to do. Like it's, and when people bring up freedom of speech, freedom of speech, you really need to look up what that is. Um, freedom of speech was absolutely meant that you could say whatever you want without government stepping in and arresting you for and things like that. So, um, that's what that is. It doesn't mean that you get to say whatever the hell you want on any social media platform and not bear any type of consequences for it. The consequences are that I'm going to step in and, and ask you not to do it. I'm going to ask you nicely. Next time I have to ask you, it's going to be a little bit more firm. And then if, if it happens again, then I'm kicking you out. 
And thankfully, like I said, I've, I can count on one hand how many times I've had to do that in 10 years of doing the show. But it's been a little bit more recent, and I'm sure some of it is because of the environment we're in right now. People are frustrated and all that type of stuff. But um, like I said, those of you guys that have been out there and, and care about the show and care about me and, and everything else, I appreciate you guys letting me know like things that are being said out there. Um, but like I said, that's, that's on those people way more than it's on me. And like I said, if they want to be, and this was a long time listener too, but he just decided to, to go that route. And I don't know if he's still listening. Maybe he is. And maybe he loves the fact that I'm making an issue out of this. Uh, that's fine. The, you get your jollies off of being an asshole. That's, that's not, again, that's on you. Uh, I don't understand that type of mentality, but Hey, whatever. With that all being said, uh, I am going to mention my comics, so fuck you, anyone that doesn't <laughs> like that. Uh, but I'm just going to briefly mention it that we uh, did, for those of you that do care and about uh, where it's at, we got all the artwork done, uh, got the lettering done, uh, so it is ready to go to the printer, so I'll be reaching out to the printer very soon to get it over to them. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do before it can go out uh, because I still need to finish work on the behind the scenes book, which is a 48 page hardcover book. So it's going to take some time, but I've got everything mapped out as far as what's going to go on what page and, and uh, most of the script for it and everything else. So we started putting some of that together. Uh, Joel is working on a bookmark. Uh, we were originally going to just, I was originally just going to use a existing artwork that we used for the comic to just kind of crop it down to and have a bookmark with some of that artwork on it. But because we went over a uh, goal, uh, we're, I'm, I'm actually have hired Joel to draw new artwork for the bookmark that will go out uh, and Ross will color it. And then um, prints, uh, I still need to budget everything out, so I don't want to make any promises yet, but we might do full-size prints, uh, meaning originally the print was going to be like eight and a half by 11, somewhere around that size, like comic book page size. So a little bit, maybe a little bit smaller than that. Um, but I think we're going to do the 11 by 17. So it'd be full size ones. And, uh, Robert has let me know that he has someone that can do it at a, a good price and everything. So, uh, I'm, I need to price it out still. I need to see how much money we still have. Cause I still have shipping to do. I still have things that need to be printed. Um, but I know we were over our goal. I did have to pay a little bit extra for some of the artwork that had to get done uh, color-wise and everything, but I think we should still be able to do this. Uh, it does cost more shipping-wise, obviously, to do larger prints, uh, so I need to find them, figure out the most cost-effective method for shipping when it comes to that, where it still gets to you in good condition, uh, you know, and everything. But yeah, stay tuned for that. That might be an update uh, in the coming month or so. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm excited that the comic is officially created. So I've been able to see every page and the lettering and all. It's awesome. It's been really, really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, everything's coming along. Uh, so everything puts us, everything where we're at puts us on time to get everything out on time right now. So knock on wood uh, that everything works out. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into some comics. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover 
the August previews and the September previews in this episode. I'm not going to do it all in one sitting here. It's a Thursday morning. Uh, my wife is in a meeting for work for probably another hour, so I'm going to record up until she's done with her meeting. And then uh, I'll probably circle back and cover even more issues, uh, more of the previews and everything else later to wrap it up. But my intention is, so that you all know, uh, yes, I'm going to have Patreon episodes available for free through the end of the year. So uh, what should happen is that this episode will come out, and then another previous episode will come out uh, in December. And that'll, that will actually get me caught up on all the previews because I'll cover, I'm going to cover September, uh, August and September in this one, uh, October and November's in the next one, probably. Uh, and that'll pretty much have me caught up. Uh, and there might be another one for December's previews, um, in the month of December. So there might be three episodes like this one and two more after that, but there's also going to be at least one more episode coming out because I have been promising and been wanting to do all year uh, a comic review for you guys to hear for free that I do for Patreon members where I uh, take a series, uh, in this case will be The Flash, it'll be the Mark Wade run of Flash, and I go issue by issue and I'm starting with year one of Mark Wade, but I'm also going to be doing the year one story that came out months ago. Um, that because it's it's Barry Allen, the Mark Wade one was Wally West. I think it'd be kind of fun to do a comparison there between uh, two year one stories. So that's that's going to come out. And if that doesn't get done before the end of the year, I'm still going to release that one for free if it's in the new year that I do it. But I should be able to get that done before the end of the year. Uh, so you're potentially looking at at least three episodes. So this one and. Uh, two more, so the uh, another previews, and then the Flash one. Potentially four more episodes. So this one, two more previews episodes, and the Flash one before I start making Patreon uh, uh, episodes that back to just being paid only. I appreciate all those that you still that still ended up staying as Patreon members, even though I was making these episodes for free. I appreciate the support for the show and everything else. And again, all that money goes towards expenses for the show. So there, there are costs involved with doing the show. All right. With that being said, I'm going to jump into DC. Now DC did go to a digital format when it comes to their, um, previews. I can't remember if I've covered an episode. I think the episode that I covered this on was actually the one that got lost. So just to let you know, I actually like it. I actually really like the digital format, especially as far as like looking through it and, you know, I get to zoom in and, and all that stuff. Uh, they're always available. So the, the, what I could have done is I could have gone back and redid all the DC ones, but, uh, previews, but if I don't have the other stuff, it just doesn't make sense. So, I'm looking at the August one, uh, which is issue three. Uh, if you look up DC Connect, you'll, it'll take you right to the pages where all of them are available and you can click on issue three and follow along. So you don't have to have the previous catalog there with you for DC. You just have to have access to the internet. So, um, so first thing I wanted to mention is we have, uh, Batman, uh, is being spotlighted here when it comes to Joker War. So we have issues 100 and 101, and I did read Joker War. I'm going to talk about that near the end of the episode. So I'm going to talk about not only Joker War, but I'm also going to talk about um, 
three Jokers, so which is also mentioned in here. So I'm going to save my talk about Joker War and three Jokers till the end of the episode because I am going to be spoiling it. I'm going to be talking spoilers. So if you have not read those issues and don't want to know what happened, then you, I'll give you the heads up that, hey, I'm about to go into this stuff. So, uh, so just, you know, so that you're aware. Um, but there's a lot of Joker War aftermath and everything else. And there's some, there's a couple big things that happen in, in Joker War. So, uh, the other thing that we see in here is Endless Winter, which is coming in December of 2020. Uh, this is one of their events and it's like a mini event because, uh, although there's a lot of tie-ins to it and everything else, um, because there's big things happening when it comes to death metal. So death metal from everything I've heard. And if you didn't know already, um, death metal is supposed to end with like, it's supposed to be a big deal in DC comics. Like people, I think kind of downplayed it as just a sequel to metal, which was an awesome story. Uh, and they're like, well, a sequel is usually not going to be as good and everything else is probably not going to have any type of impact. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be the cause of the next big changeup at DC. And there is a big changeup coming up, uh, that I'll talk about in a future episode. Uh, for those of you who know what it is, there's definitely a pun in what I just said. Um, but we're going to, we'll talk about that at that time. But death metal actually leads up to that big change. So, uh, then we have Rorschach number one, which is written by Tom King, uh, and art by Jorge, uh, Fornes and, uh, I'm probably butchering his name, but, uh, I am interested in this because, uh, I think when Tom King does these mini series, I think he, that's where his light really shines. That's his best storytelling. I am loving strange adventures. Um, and, and I know like vision and Mr. Miracle all were great. So, uh, definitely looking forward to reading this. However, all of my Watchmen stuff that I have, I have uh, reserved myself to having those in hardcover editions, so collected editions. So that's what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to wait till the, it, it's over, and then I'm going to get the hardcover. Then we have Batman uh, White Knight presents Harley Quinn. Uh, at first, I thought this was just going to be like a one-shot spotlight, but it's actually, uh, a, I don't know if it's an ongoing series or another mini series. It doesn't really give like show it as a mini series. I know it's goes, it's going for several issues. Um, but yeah, white Knight is something that I really love because of Sean Murphy. I have only read the first few issues of the original white Knight. I have all of the issues. I need to read them. I need to get caught up because I really loved what I was reading and I've heard nothing but amazing things about the rest of it. So uh, American Vampire, 1976, number one. I did pick up this issue uh, and read it, and uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I do have the first hardcover trade of American Vampire, and I remember reading that and really liking it a lot, and I just never continued with it. Um, I liked this issue a lot, except for the fact that with it being a number one, it kind of brings you up to speed. You kind of get the gist of what things have happened beforehand, but, um, you definitely need to be somebody to really kind of get it all and understand everything. You need to be someone that's been reading American empire all along. Like this isn't just one that you can pick up and go, okay, all new characters, all new storyline in the American vampire universe. No, it, these are characters that have been established in the American vampire universe. Um, like I said, I picked it up and read it. 
and was fine with the story. Like the story, I was able to pick up on kind of what was going on and everything else. But there was definitely references to things that happened beforehand that I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. And that's fine. That's that's on me, not on them. Um, recap page probably would have been nice, <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, DC, The Doomed and the Damned. Uh, I have not read this yet, uh, but uh, looking forward to checking this out. It's a bunch of horror stories taking place in the DC universe. So uh, one thing to let you guys know, too, is I have gone digital with a lot of stuff. I know I've talked in the past about possibly doing that. Um, there's a lot of titles that I've just decided that I'm fine with reading them digitally. Uh, it's more cost effective, <laughs> number one. But uh, I'm fine with reading, reading them digitally, even though they'll be a bit behind. Um, so here are my views when it comes to some of the digital platforms. Marvel is by far right now the best one. Um, there's search engines. Some I've heard how it's cumbersome and it is. Um, I don't know necessarily how they could make it better, but it, it is a bit cumbersome at times. I, I think if they, when you search by a character or something like that, they just put everything that came out in the publication order. Like if it came up in that order, it'd probably be better than think they kind of go by alphabetical order in some cases it's tough to tell but anyways the marvel unlimited app is uh the best one you get almost everything i won't say everything but you get almost everything uh and we'll talk a little bit later about what you don't get but you get almost everything three months after it's been published they just recently announced that so it used to be six months after it was released now they've updated it to where it's after just three months you can now read it that's awesome because you don't have to wait that long. Then. You're not that behind everybody else that's actually getting the issues. Um, so I love that. And that actually made it a lot easier to go digital because I was like, oh, well, I'm already behind on some of these titles anyways. I can, I'm fine with waiting three months to read the newest one. That gives me a chance to kind of get caught up on them and everything. So um, the DC one I'm hoping will be better once they make the official change over in the, uh, after this year's over. So the, uh, if you hadn't heard the DC universe app is, uh, used to have video and comics and, uh, that I think didn't perform as well as they wanted it to. So they've moved, uh, they moved all the videos over to HBO max. Now they're still available on the DC universe app right now, but they're going to be moved over to the HBO max, uh, platform. And then it, the DC Universe app, I think, is just going to be called DC Infinity or Infinite or something like that. And it's going to be just comics. So I'm hoping that once they do that, they will actually load up a bunch of comics. Like I'm hoping that there's like stockpile and stuff to release because I don't know what their format is right now, but it's certainly longer than six months. Like they have digital first stuff that comes out right away. Um, and that's great. But then like I'll look up say Hawkman, like Hawkman just had its last issue come out. So I was like, Oh, I wanted to read this. I've read the first few issues of it, but never like continued with it. Um, I'd like to go back and read this, especially cause it's written. I think all of it's written by Venditti and I love him as a writer. He's awesome. Um, I've read very few things by him that I didn't enjoy. So, um, so I went in there and I think it's like the first 19 issues are in there for you to access for free. Um, and, and then there was like nothing, I can't remember if it's like you have to pay after that or if it's like, it might just be that there's not even in there. So I'm like, okay, you have 29 issues. 
which is the ending, and you're showing me the first, it was like 17 or 19 issues. And I'm like, so you're way more, it's like almost a year, um, if not more, that it's like before something becomes available. I'm like, that, with what Marvel did to make it three months, I think DC is going to follow suit and will either do a six-month thing or do um, three months to compete with Marvel. They should, at least. Um, you got to make it worth the investment. So... Comixology Unlimited is a whole other animal. And I know they're dealing with a lot of different publishers and a lot of different contracts about what they're allowed to show and what they're not allowed to show and all that type of stuff to the unlimited people. But it's like there's certain series that I wanted to read that I've heard great things about, like Monstrous and Chew and um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, that uh, uh, Black Hammer and uh, Rachel Rising and stuff like that that I've heard nothing but great things. I'm like, oh, why? now I get a chance to read these things. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes half yes, so uh, or partial yes. So, like, there are some things that I found where it's, like, the first trade's free, and you can read that. Um, there's some stuff where, uh, and then the rest you have to pay for. Uh, and then there's ones where nothing is free. Uh, everything is, you have to pay for the issue if you want to read that particular title. And then some, everything was free and part of unlimited. So, um, yeah, I would, I'd rather it be a little bit more expensive and have access to everything after a certain amount of time. But I know, again, they're dealing with a lot of different publishers and a lot of different publishers want yes and no's to different things. So, uh, their hands are probably a little bit tied when it comes to that. It's just a little frustrating when you try to look up a title and it's like either a not even there. Um, uh, or B, it's some of it's available. Some of it's not. The one that was really weird was uh Witchblade. I was like, Oh, I'll go back and read Witchblade. I've always wanted to read through it for the hell of it. I've read some issues here and there and they have some issues are free. And then you reach a certain point in the series and then you start paying if you want those issues. And then a little bit further down, those issues are free again. Like or there's other issues that are free and then you have to pay again. So it's like, I think you can read up to issue, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a number. Like, say you can read up to issue 70 for free as part of the Unlimited. Then issues 71 through 125, you have to pay for it if you want to read those. And then issues 126 to 180, you are free again. And that, so it's a lot of, it doesn't make sense. There's like, um, unless it's like new launches or something like that, I don't know. But it was just very weird when I saw stuff like that. But that being said, for what Unlimited is with Comixology, there is a ton of stuff to read. So I'm looking forward to finding the stuff that I can read and checking it out. I think Chu had pretty much everything available, and I'm looking forward to checking that out and reading it. Uh, Saga, I think, had almost everything available. Uh, Black Hammer, I think, had almost everything available uh, to read other than really new stuff, uh, which I totally get that. Um so I'm looking forward to, to reading those and checking them out and everything else. So they said it was just a little disappointing. It was like, oh, I wanted to read that title. I'm not going to pay for it because I already have unlimited. So don't want to don't want to add to that or anything like that. So that's my take on all of <laughs> the different digital apps that are out there. Um, so tons of stuff to read. I've actually found that I read more digitally than I do in paper. Um, I sat down the one day and decided to read Guardians of the Galaxy on the Marvel Unlimited. And I think I read issue one or 
one or two like late one night. May have read both issues one and two. Um, and then the next day I decided to sit down and start reading. Uh, and I got through issue nine or 10, like in one sitting, just because I just kept going. I just kept reading and it was just, it wasn't, it was easy on the eyes and, and I just was able to keep going. And then the next day I got up through issue 12, which, uh, was the remainder of that series. And now I'm jumping onto the new series that's out now. So, um, so that was a fun read to do and it was easy to do. So the other thing I want, I want to check out some other titles that I passed as far as having physical copies. So like daredevil, I'd like to read. I want to go back and read some punisher. I want to go back and read, um, uh, some more of, uh, miles Morales and Thor and, uh, stuff like that. So the thing that I've also found myself doing too, is it makes it a lot easier to go. Yeah, I just really want to just read that story. I don't really need to own that story, so I, I'll just wait till it's available on the Unlimited. So, uh, back to DC here. Uh, we have Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular. I did start reading this. I'm three-fourths of the way through. Um, but one thing that was cool is that there is a story in here by uh, Julian Lytle, who is a, uh, a friend that I've gotten to know through a lot of other people. And I read his story and it was actually really good. Uh, I shouldn't say actually really good. It was good. I said it as if that was a surprise, but, um, this was an awesome jump for him into the comics world. So, uh, he's always done independent comics and everything else. Uh, I don't know how much of an opportunity he's had to write other stuff besides his independent stuff. Uh, but this was the first thing that I knew of where it was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is awesome. So. Then we got three Jokers, which like I said, I'm going to talk later. We got some death metal. So the one thing that is bad about going through DC Connect when it comes to uh, this particular, for me doing these previews episodes, is that I can't, like, mark pages and go, okay, this is, you know, I, I, this is one of the ones I want to talk about with you guys. So I, I just kind of have to go through it. And that's fine digitally. It just, it's a click, 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 and we're there. So, um so there is the Robin King, uh, which, uh, for death metal, which is a one shot and it looks like it's Damien, uh, like a dark version of Damien. Uh, I've heard from Nick who we've had on the show, uh, a few, quite a few times. He said this issue was, he really liked it. So I'm looking forward to getting caught up on death metal. I am getting caught up right now in justice league because I know the justice league title ties into death metal. So I wanted to get caught up. I'm on issue 50 right now of Justice League and Death Metal starts with issue 54. So I just have a few issues to read and then I'll, then I'm going to jump fully into reading Death Metal, uh, from issue one and get caught up on all, all of the issues with this. So, uh, hopefully next time I should be able to give you an update on how Death Metal actually is. Um, then we have, let's see, more we have uh, Strange Adventures, number six. I mentioned that earlier as far as that being a really great title. A lot of Wonder Woman stuff being out because, of course, the movie, which just heard yesterday uh, as of this recording, that uh, Wonder Woman, uh, the 1984 movie, is going to be released to theaters and to HBO Max subscribers on uh, December 25th. So on uh, Christmas, it's going to be available um, I'm, what I'm thinking about doing, uh, is getting HBO max for a month and then just so I can watch the movie. Cause 
the price of it, I have to check, but the price of that is about what a price of a movie ticket would cost me. And then I can just cancel it after I've seen the movie. Uh, so, and I'll have it for a month. So I can also watch, uh, the Watchmen TV show, which I heard was really, really good. So, um, and I do have this Wonder Woman 1984 number one issue. So I want to check that out and read it, but I have not read it yet. Um, got some Superman titles, which I am behind on Superman, uh, that's going to be one of the next ones for me to get caught up on after justice league and death metal is to get caught up on Superman. Uh, cause I know a lot has been going on with, with that title and let's see here. Just going through far sector is something that I have started reading. I reread issue one of that. It, uh, the first time I read issue one, it, didn't really win me over. It was better than the Grant Morrison stuff on Green Lantern, but I was, there was still like some issues with it. I felt like it got a bit too wordy. Like they tried to cram too much into the first issue. Um, I still kind of felt that way when I read it the second time, but it was better the second time. Now the artwork is really good on it. I really do enjoy the artwork, uh, on, on far sector. So, uh, I'm looking forward to reading more and seeing if it gets even better. So, um, let's see here. Suicide Squad number 10. I believe it's ending with issue 11. Um, there's a lot of things that are going to be ending very soon. And that's because of some of the things, changes that are going to be happening when it comes to, uh, the events after death metal. And again, we'll talk about that in a quote unquote future episode. Uh, one Roman dead earth hardcover. That was actually a really good story. Uh, if you like the black label stuff and you like something that's more like else worlds, that's something I would highly recommend, uh, for you to, to check out. Um, and then we have, uh, Batman, whatever happened, uh, in the collective editions, Batman, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader deluxe 2020 edition hardcover and Superman, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow deluxe 2020 edition. Uh, both of these are, t uh, things I would love to get, uh, especially with them being in hardcover editions They're, you know, they're, I like both stories. I know some people don't really care for the Batman story one too much, but I actually really like both of them. Uh, so I would love to have those in a, in a nice format and everything. So I've only, I've only ever read them in like collected editions. So maybe reading them back in the day when they came out, cause I've experienced that myself where you read it issue by issue. It wasn't that good, but if you read it all together, it actually works a lot better. Um, I had mentioned earlier that I will be doing a flash year one. Well, lo and behold in collected editions is the most recent flash year one storyline in trade paperback by Joshua Williamson, who did an amazing job on the flash on his flash run. Like it, it's up there with some of the best flash stories, uh, or flash runs like Mark Wade and Jeff Johns are up there for me. Uh, Joshua Williamson's probably number three. Uh, they, he just did, I think a phenomenal job with his run. So if you want to follow me, uh, with that story, uh, you do want to, you would want to get, the Mark Wade year one story, but you could get this trade and follow along. Cause I will be, when I do comic reviews like that, I much like we do on the show here, I will go page by page, uh, and talk about what's happening and my, and I give kind of my thoughts and interpretations of that information. So, uh, then we have, let's see here. 
uh, Injustice Gods Among Us Omnibus Volume 2 hardcover. So this uh, collects a whole bunch of Injustice. If you've never read the Injustice Gods Among Us stories, highly recommend them. I do have them in, in hardcover editions, so I don't have any need for an omnibus, but um, but they're pretty awesome. Uh, Justice League by Scott Snyder, uh, Book 2 Deluxe Edition. I will say when it comes to collected editions, these Deluxe Editions that DC's been doing are actually my favorite. Uh, I really like them. They remind me a little bit of the Starman Omnibus Editions. They're not, like, too thick, but you get a lot of issues. Like this, you get issues 14 through 25 and annual number one. So that's a that's a big chunk of issues right there. Um, that's 12, 13 issues right there in a hardcover for $40. And typically, if you're looking on Amazon or you're looking on uh, in-stock trades or DCB service, you're going to get that, for, especially if you pre-order through DCB service, you're going to get that for half the price. You're going to get it for 20 bucks. 20 bucks for 13 issues in a in a deluxe size hardcover. That's the thing too, is this isn't comic book size. This is actually a bit bigger than that. And there's a ton of extra content in the back. You get all the variant covers, you get some uh, concept artwork and things like that. Cannot say enough great things about these deluxe editions. They are absolutely my favorite when it comes to anything that I have. Yes, I love absolute editions. They're awesome. They they're probably my next favorite thing to have is the absolute editions because those are really oversized and they're, you know, there's tons of extra content and they're just super slick and a slip case and everything else can go on the shelf. These deluxe editions, the reason I like them a little bit more is because you kind of get all of that without it being too oversized. Um, and for travel reasons, I'm saying that like, I don't mind it being really oversized when I'm at home and everything else, but if I'm taking it someplace, it's tougher for me to carry around an absolute edition. Uh, and then like I said, the slipcase and everything else is just meant for, you know, for protecting it and making it look nice and everything else. The deluxe editions, they're just nice hard covers. Um, everything's a bit bigger, uh, just to make it even more awesome to read and see the artwork and everything else. It's just, that's why I like them so much more. They're, they're more versatile. They look beautiful on a bookshelf but they're easy to grab and take with you someplace. And it's, they're just really, really cool and a lot of extra content in them. So highly recommend those, uh, legends of the dark Knight, Jose Garcia, Luis Garcia Lopez. I believe this got postponed and it's supposed to be solicited later. So, uh, you know that I'm all about that. So, um, looking, going some further into this, uh, underworld unleashed the 25th anniversary tape paperback, which was a very fun story. It's a very 90s story, but it's a very fun story. Um, and I believe that is everything. There's some toys here, uh, which was very sad to hear about the DC Direct people being let go. Um, I think they've just done some amazing, amazing work. But uh, evidently, people felt like that was a, an expense they didn't need to have and uh, like I said, I, I don't like that, but, uh, unfortunately I, I've known what it's like to lose a position, uh, when you thought everything was fine and it, it hurts and it hits you hard. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, I, I, I love the work that DC direct people did. So it just sucks that they're gone. So, um, Jumping into more DC here, and this 
might be the last thing I cover in this sitting. I do have the Marvel catalogs underneath in case I have more time, but uh going to jump into uh, the previews. Uh, this is DC Connect number four, volume four, uh, for September for things coming out in November. So stuff that's coming out this month uh, or have come out this month already. So uh, one is the other history of the DC universe. I'm hoping that this, again, with the changes that are happening, um, to the DC app and everything else. I'm hoping that this will be something that can be available after just a few months. It's not necessarily an issue I need to own, uh, or a mini series I need to own, but it is something I want to read. Um, so the, we're going to talk a little bit about agenda comics again. I know I bring it up often. It's like, that's almost like my catch thing. Like other people have different terminology for certain things. And for me, it's, I just call these things agenda comics. So, I, a little bit, I feel like this one's done a bit better than some of the ones that Marvel has done, um, because they're just calling it the other history of DC universe. Yes. It's spotlighting minority characters. Um, so I want to be very clear when it comes to this, because again, I don't want people thinking, uh, that I have any problems with diversity or, other races or anything like that. Cause it can so get misconstrued into that. And that, that is so not what I'm going for. I am a hundred percent for diversity when it comes to characters, when it comes to creators. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, I, th I think we absolutely need to look at places we haven't looked at before for talent. And, uh, and when it comes to characters too, like there's some amazing diverse characters out there that don't get enough spotlight or attention. Uh, one of my personal favorites is Vixen. And I've heard that DC actually wants to do more with that character. I'm like, that's awesome. I really like that character a lot. So, um, but when it comes to that, like I am of the mindset, I guess the, the mindset I've adopted is the Morgan Freeman mindset. And I mentioned that because those of you who've seen the video, it's an interview with him, uh, where I think it was done in 60 minutes, but he's basically asked like, how do we fight racism? And he's like, he's like, don't talk about it. And they're like, he's like, I'll stop looking at you as a black or a white man. And you stop looking at me as a black man. And that's how I view it when it comes to that type of stuff. Also, like, I don't, I, I think the more we try to separate each other, the more there ends up being issues and the more there ends up being problems where if we just embrace each other for who each other is, then, then it's, the world is all that much better for it. So, um, so when they do comics like this, like the other history of the DC universe, I feel like that's again, separating it more. This one I said is done a little bit better because they're not necessarily just flat out coming out and saying this is what it is that we're separating out these characters because they're minority characters. So we want to tell stories about them to focus on them. They're just saying this is another side of the DC history that you might not know about. Um, so I kind of like that approach, but at the same time, I know it's still singling out those, those characters and saying, Hey, these are separate from the other characters. I like that's how it can come across and. I don't want that. I want it to be like these characters are just as important and just as part of DC universe history and DC characters as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, like all, all those characters too. So I think 
and so that's the thing when I see, when I talk about gender comics, it's like, it's the ones where I feel like they're forcing an issue and not focusing on telling a good story with great characters. So, um, I am interested to see what they do with this issue. I'm interested. I'm hoping it's some really good storytelling. The cover looks really badass and cool. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of curious what, you know, what it is. But like I said, I want to be very clear because I feel like I need to say that every episode that I do mention stuff like that, because every episode could be someone's first. And like I said, I don't want it to come across, uh, differently than how I intended. Like I said, my intention is that we should fully embrace these characters and see them as part of the entire universe that they're in and not segregate them, not separate them out. And, and, you know, you can spotlight them. That's great. Like you can, you can tell an amazing black lightning story. You can tell an incredible vixen story and stuff like that and spotlight those characters. We should, they're cool characters, but to, create a completely separate thing just for them uh, and, and making it very clear that the reason that you're doing is because they're minority characters. That's, that's when I'm like, okay, did you do this? Cause you had really cool stories to tell and you're just putting them together. Or did you do this because you feel like you need to force this out there? Um, much like anything else, when it comes to like, if, if you're the, I think this might be a good analogy. Maybe it's not, maybe it's horrible, but like when you, when you have your kid and you want them to be interested in something like say star Wars or GI Joe, you expose them to it. You, you know, you make it available to them, but you don't force it on them. The more you force it on them, especially if they're teenagers or something like that, the more they're going to resist, the more they're going to be like, Nope, that's your thing. Not my thing, whatever. But if you just, expose them to it and let them approach it on their own terms at their own pace, then there's more acceptance and there's more, Hey, this is actually something cool. And I, and that's kind of what I see with this. It's like, if we just make these characters more, more natural and more part of the universe, then people won't feel like you're trying to throw something in their face as much. Like, I feel like that's what happened with Miss Marvel. Um, who then became Captain Marvel. I feel like Marvel is trying to really shove her in your face saying, this is an awesome character and you should like her because she's a strong female character. And this is our, this is our Wonder Woman character, blah, blah, blah. When they downplay that forcing, I really like the character. I think she's a cool ass character and she's a lot of fun to read. When they start shoving her in my face and saying, you got to read her and here's why you got to read her. I'm like, no, I, I really don't. Like I want to read her cause she's a cool ass character and I like reading her stories. So enough of my soapbox there. Um, speaking of cool ass characters, punchline number one, uh, special, uh, I actually did read this. It is awesome. If you like the punchline character and you want to get to know more of her history, uh, I would definitely say to, you should be reading this issue. Um, I, this is going to be controversial. I know I actually like punchline more than Harley Quinn. Um, I like Harley Quinn. I have nothing against Harley Quinn just because I like one character more than another does not mean I hate the other character. Um, I just like punchlines motivations a bit more. I love Harley Quinn because, you know, I have some connections with her being a psych psychiatrist and like the mental aspect. And I love Harley Quinn stories that deal with that. And then still having her zaniness and everything else. Punchline is just like, 
she's just pure like chaos evil very much more guided than the joker is but i think that's why i kind of like her is like she's she's much more like a partner to the joker and not necessarily a romantic partner just a partner to the joker and i kind of hope they never make her a romantic partner i don't really want that um we've done that before i don't need uh poor man's uh harley quinn uh but i really liked this issue um it really shows who she is and the history of her and she's doing a podcast that that's how you kind of learn about her so that was really cool so the only thing I didn't really like with the ending uh, or didn't really like with the issue was the ending because um, it just kind of fell off at the end. Um, it didn't really have like a conclusion to the punchline issue. It wasn't like, like I loved everything that led up to it. I loved learning about her through her podcast and everything else, but then it just kind of like abruptly ended with her trial starting and it just kind of said continued in 2021. So that was the only thing I didn't really like about the issue, but overall really love the issue, really love the character and looking forward to seeing where they go with her. Uh, then we have going through here, we got Batman 102 and 103, uh, tales from the dark multiverse, uh, Batman hush. They're doing a bunch of these again, uh, of these Tales of Dark Multiverse, uh, Flashpoint number, uh, they're gonna do one of that. And, um, I think there's a couple other ones I think they're doing like Crisis Infinite Earths. And then I think they're even doing a metal one, which is interesting because metal is what sparked the Dark Multiverse of the or, you know, letting us know the origin of it and everything. So, um, I really have liked the ones in the past. I didn't read all of the Dark Multiverse ones. I have all of them. Um, I've read like three of them and I think there was only four. I think I only missed one that I haven't read yet. Um, but I got the Hush one so far. Really, uh, looking forward to reading these and you guys know I love Hush. So I'm kind of interested to see where they kind of twist that one. Uh, Flashpoint was another one that I really loved. So I'm looking forward to, uh, reading that one as well. Um, then we have uh, an advertisement for Dark Knight's Death Metal, which shows the stuff that is uh, or was coming out in October. So you had Death Metal number five, Death Metal, the Mi Multiverse Who Laughs, uh, Infinite Hour Extreme, uh, and then Justice League number 56 and Justice League number 57. Uh, these have been delayed, of course. They A lot of these have just come out now. Um, but, you know, it makes sense that they've... Uh, they've been delayed. So, uh, then we've got Sweet Tooth, uh, The Return, uh, by Jeff Lemire. And it's, uh, this, it, it's coming back basically because there is, uh, that's supposed to be turned into, I think, a Netflix series, I believe is what, what it's being, it's gonna be. Let's see if they say it here. Um, yeah, it's coming to Netflix soon. It's very interesting. I've never read Sweet Tooth. Always wanted to. I'll have to see if that one's on Comixology Unlimited um, to where I could check that out because I'd be interested in reading that. I've heard good things about it. I do love Jeff Lemire as a writer. Not really. He He's a good artist. Not he, It's not someone that I go, oh, I definitely want to see his artwork. But it's not like Matt Kent, who I love Matt Kent's writing, but don't really care for Matt Kent's artwork at all. Um, but Lemire's is kind of the same. Like his artwork that I see here is actually is is fine. Uh, but he, he, 
for me, he's just not someone that I want to really uh, see his artwork. I'm more interested in the stories that he's telling uh, than anything else. So uh, we have a lot of continuations of the things I had mentioned earlier with the previous catalog. Uh, we do have House of L want book one, The Shadow Threat. This is a trade paperback that um, it's a brand new vision of the world of Krypton written by New York Times bestselling writer Claudia Gray. And Claudia Gray actually wrote um, the Star Wars Princess Leia story, if I'm remembering right. Uh, and I've heard really good things about that. So uh, I'm interested to kind of see um, what this is about. Obviously, it's about the House of L on Krypton and everything else. Artwork's not the strongest for me. Uh, just, again, personal preferences and everything else. But, uh, yeah, I, it's one of those things, like, I'd probably be fine with it if I could just read it digitally. Um, Aquaman number 65, he gets married to uh, Mera finally. So I almost picked up that issue just for that fact, but again, it's something I could read in trade or read in uh, um, online if I can. So uh, Batman, the the Batman's Grave, number 12, that wraps that up. That's Warren Ellis and art and cover by Brian Hitch. So you know, uh, I did read the first issue of this and really liked it a lot. Uh, I have all the other issues and it's going to be one that I kind of want to sit down and just read in a chunk reading. So, uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Detective comics, uh, which are some epilogue, you know, continuations of what happened after Joker war. Um, got more of the flash green lantern season two, uh, number nine, uh, I like the covers on this. The one is like Hal Jordan walking in and seeing Hal Jordan, I, I believe seeing Hal Jordan proposing to Carol Ferris. Uh, so that's interesting. Or Green Lantern, I should say, walking in and seeing uh, Hal Jordan proposing. But I like the variant cover on this, too. It was by Chris Burnham. Uh, it's got a very 80s style to it. It's just Hal up in the sky uh, like the, of a planet. It's like a magenta purplish planet and everything else. So it's a cool, like iconic shot. So, uh, then we have Hawkman number 29. It's the last issue. I've heard this said many times and I totally agree with it. They couldn't go and let him finish with a round number of, uh, number of, uh, number 30, like just do, do one more issue. Let him do one more issue as like an epilogue issue or something, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall number two. I read number one and really liked it. I'm not the hugest fan of the artwork on it. And it's just, again, personal preference. Uh, the artist is Derek Robertson, but his artwork reminds me of, I believe it's Steve Dillon. Uh, it's definitely Dillon. Uh, but it, there's stuff that Dylan has d done in the past that I've liked, but it's, he's, it's when he gets up to doing faces, like when he's doing just, and that happens a lot for me with some artists like Doug Monk. I love Doug Monk's art, but when he's drawing faces up close, it, I don't like it at all. Um, but when he's drawing like action shots of, you know, from a distance, full body shots and everything else looks awesome. Same thing with Dylan with this. Like, I feel like when we're focused on the scenery and what's happening of the atmosphere, I think it, it's really awesome. But when we're having two characters sitting in a room just talking, which Hellblazer has happened a lot, 
Um, it's not the strongest for me, but the story, which is done by Tom Taylor, who has become like one of my modern day favorite writers, uh, the story is really good. I do have the second issue. I've not read it yet, but I read the first issue and really liked it. So, uh, looking forward to seeing more of that. Uh, we got Justice League Dark is wrapping up and, uh, and so is Justice League Odyssey. Uh, and again, I'll talk about in a future episode why that's happening. Uh, we have Nightwing number 76, which is him facing off against KG Beast. I did read Nightwing number 75, which was the epilogue to Joker War. And, uh, it's basically, I'll, I'll say it when I talk about Joker War, because, uh, Nightwing gets involved in that and everything. So, uh, Suicide Squad number 11 is the final issue of that. Uh, and it guest stars the Justice League. Um, and, and supposedly, if you remember from a past episode, I said that, uh, Deadshot gets, uh, shot and killed, supposedly. According to this cover, it looks like he might still be dead because Harley Quinn's holding, carrying his, I don't know if she's carrying his head, but she's definitely carrying his mask, um, or his helmet or whatever. So, um, Young Justice, unfortunately, is coming to an end. That's the one I'm saddest to see end. Uh, I know I'm not caught up on it, so it's a little bit of my own fault, but I've been reading it and, uh, I have read it. I have been getting all the issues and everything that I read in, I really liked. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that they bring young justice back. I'm hoping it's just a temporary thing of having it gone. So we'll see getting into uh, some of the trades and everything else here. We have Batman City of Bane Complete Collection Trade Paperback. I did get the hardcovers, which was a two-volume hardcover edition. Um, I really liked City of Bane. I liked City of Bane a, a lot. Uh, I have not posted all my reviews. I am woefully behind on posting comic reviews. I have a huge stack of comics. It's like all of these need reviews posted. I've read all of these. Um, Batman is definitely one of them where it's like I'm, I'm actually on Joker War. Uh, our past Joker War, I'm pretty caught up on Batman, but my reviews make it seem like I'm still back on issue like 75 or 80 or something like that. So, uh, definitely need to get caught up on posting those. Uh, let's see, we have DC through the eighties, the end of, of eras hardcover. Uh, so that's interesting. It's a bunch of different titles. We've got like house of mystery, the flash detective comics, this would be an interesting one to get, uh, and it's not too expensive. It's only about $50, and I'm going to let the dog out, but um, for $50, you get quite a few issues, and it is a hardcover, and it seems like it's going to be issues that highlight what's known of the 80s, uh, which is the era that the show is all about, and it's also the era that I really got to know a lot of DC characters as far as just by looks. I wasn't reading a whole lot, as I've mentioned in the past in the eighties, uh, when it comes to comic books, but I knew these characters based on the looks of the 1980s there. So, um, it says includes never before published project proposal by Alan Moore, uh, which I think is actually, I can't remember if it's like a green lantern story or what it is. That it was supposed that was in here um, features the complete text of Alan Moore's legendary, never before seen Twilight proposal. So um, that's what it was. And again, Twilight. I'm trying to remember what it was exactly, but I think it was follow up to Crisis or something like that. But um, 
it was a thought to have everything kind of rebooted. Um, so I'm actually very interested in that book. Um, then we have Flash by Jeff Johns Omnibus, Volume 2 hardcover, Green Lantern Season 2, Volume 1 hardcover. Uh, let's see. Shazam and the Seven Magic Lands trade paperback. So this collects Shazam 1 through 11 and 13 and 14. Don't know why it doesn't include number 12. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I read number 12. Maybe it just didn't tie into the story. I can't rem- really remember why that particular one would be out. But this is like excellent artwork um, and great story. You got Jeff Johns writing it. You got Dale Eaglesham and Scott Collins uh, and Marco Santucci. Uh, it, they're all really good artists. And so that's something worth picking up. Like I said, I have the issues. Really, really like the series. Uh, Super Friends Saturday Morning Comics Volume 2 hardcover. That's pretty awesome. Again, if you grew up with Super Friends, that would be something worth checking out. And that is about it. There's some statues and everything. They're still the same. There's the Batman by Jim Lee statue, which I do have that ordered. It has not come yet, but I'm really excited about that because it's obviously based on Hush uh, and how he drew Batman during that time period. So that is everything there. I'm going to take a little bit of a break uh, here for just a bit, and then we will be back to cover Marvel as well as the regular previews catalog. All right, guys, and we're back. Um, so with DC, I had to wrap things up there. My wife's meeting actually ended early, and because of that, uh, she came down. She was like, I didn't know if I could talk. I heard you talking, didn't know what was going on. Um, so just wrapped up DC and then was like, okay, I'll cover the other ones later. Uh, it's now, well, it's now, uh, Friday night. So I recorded that, the DC part Thursday morning, uh, because I was off. Uh, and then, uh, so now it's Friday evening cause I have to work tomorrow. Uh, that's why I was off on Thursday. That's how my job works is that every once in a while I have to work a Saturday and then I get a day off during the week because of that. Um, it's the nice thing with my position is that I pretty much can dictate what day I take off. The only ones they prefer us not to take off are Monday and Tuesday because it's our busiest days. Um, so I, I'll typically take a Wednesday or a Thursday off. I typically don't take a Friday off because it's like, okay, don't work Friday, but then have to work Saturday. It's like you work Thursday, you're off Friday, then you work Saturday. Eh, it's not bad, but at the same time, I like taking off like a Wednesday or Thursday, break up the week a little bit and everything else. And working Saturdays isn't too bad, especially right now, because I do get to work from home right now. Um, so it's kind of nice. I'll typically on Saturdays, I'll wake up and, and since I won't have meetings or have to see anyone or anything like that, I don't typically get into like jeans or anything like that. Or, um, I'll just stay in my pajamas during the day and just do my job. And it's, uh, it's one advantage definitely for working at home is that I don't, uh, most days I still get up, take a shower, uh, put on some jeans, put on a t-shirt, get, you know, make myself presentable and everything else. So I'm still in that routine and everything else. And I know there's a lot of you guys out there that don't have the luxury of working from home. And believe me, I don't take it lightly that I have, a position that allows me to do that. I'm very, I can do consider myself very blessed 
am very uh, fortunate that I can do this. Um, but at the same time, I do work in customer service and I typically take a lot of escalated calls. So that's, that's the downside of the, <laughs> the situation. Um, but, uh, I get to talk to all the angry customers. That's really fun. Um, but yeah, I've done it for over 20 years. Like it's, it's something I'm able to, to deal with. It's, um, not too much gets me riled up because of that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, weird ass tangent to get to <laughs> where I'm at now, which is, uh, had, was able to go through, um, all of DC. So now we have Marvel and the regular previews catalog. And if we, if I have time, uh, it's late, but if we have time, I'll go through some of, I got a couple of the, um, Lego catalogs and stuff. Uh, I did get the Christmas one that just came out recently, but I haven't had a chance to really go through it. But I got a couple of those, the Lego catalog ones, uh, before that, that I never really got to cover on the show here with you guys. So, um, and then I also want to talk about, uh, three jokers and Joker war. So we got a lot to cover. It's a quarter to 11 here. Uh, fortunately I, uh, feel very well rested right now. We'll see if that continues. And I don't have to start work until nine o'clock in the morning. And with, again, with me working from home, being fortunate to be able to do that, um, I can get up and, you know, I don't have to get up till later on eight o'clock or so and still have plenty of time to get myself together and have some breakfast before I have to log in and, and work. So, um, and so, yeah, so what I'm going to do is I know I think at the beginning of the show, I said I was going to cover DC and then Marvel and then we'll go to previews. But since I now have the previews catalog here with me, I'm going to do the main previews catalogs first, and then we'll finish off with Marvel just because there's not as much in the previews catalog, although I do have a shit ton marked here. So we'll see. Maybe I do have quite a bit here, but let's jump into it. So this is the previews catalog for August, uh, for books that were going to come out in, I think would have been October and or later. So, uh, first thing is an image. We do have the walking dead deluxe number one. Uh, so what they're doing with the walking dead is they took the original comic and had it colored. So they actually had a colorist work on it. And, uh, then they added some extra features in the back too. Uh, so you get some early concept drawings and stuff like that. But then you also get like stuff from Kirkman that says like what the original plan was or what he was going to, what he thought about doing and everything else. Like I think in this first one, he talks about um, a character that he thought about having lived longer and another character he thought about killing off earlier. Um, it's, it's really cool. And there it's like a thicker card stock. I don't know if they're going to be doing the full series this way. Um, might be kind of cool if they did, but that's a long whole nother long series then of these to do. Um, but they so far have done, uh, two issues of it and have had at least the third, possibly the fourth issue already solicited. So, um, I'm interested in it as long as they keep doing it. I only collected the walking dead from, uh, in hardcover collected editions. So I never collected it when it first came out. I do remember, being in my comic shop and the comic shop owner of the shop I went to at that time, it's different than the one I go to now. Uh, cause it was a while ago and the comic shop owner there was pointing out like, 
oh, did you see this Walking Dead comic and stuff? And I was like, yeah, and kind of zombies are, I'm kind of out, you know, burnt out on zombie stuff and everything else. And so I, I remember seeing issue one there and just being like, no, I think I'm going to pass on that. Jeez. Oh man. Like hindsight's 2020, man. I could have had that issue and been, I think it sells for, I, I could be wrong, but I think the last time I looked, it was selling for like $3,000 or something like that. And I could have got it for cover price back in the day. Um, and would I have sold it? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Like if the thing went up to $3,000, I absolutely would get it graded and get and sell it. Um, because I don't have any emotional nostalgic attachment to the walking dead. I really like the stories. I really enjoy them, but there isn't like a, a serious emotional attachment to it where it's like, Oh, that overrides getting $3,000 for it. Like I can still get the stories in a hardcover edition and be totally fine. Um, is there a comic that you wouldn't, that you would hold on to and not sell, even if it was worth, let's stick with the walking dead and say it's worth $3,000. Um, I don't know if there is one that I would hold on to that has that nostalgic pull for me that, you know, that I'm like, nope, sorry, I'm going to hold on to this. Like, I love comics and I have some good attachments to some of them. Uh, are there some that would pain me to get rid of the original issue? Yeah. There's some that I would be like, um, like again, I mentioned before, like I love Batman hush. I have the, all the original issues. I know that they don't, the original issues don't cost nearly that much that you can get them relatively inexpensive overall. But, um, there might be one or two that's you have to pay like 20, 30 bucks for, but, uh, overall they're relatively still inexpensive to get. And, but, and I, and I love the story, but it's like, if someone said, Hey, I'll give you $3,000 for the entire run, I would hand them over right away. Like I, I'd be like, Oh, I'd wonder why they want to pay that much when you can get them cheaper. But if they wanted to give me $3,000 and I gave them my issues, like, let's say that's what they're actually going for. I'd be like, yeah, here we go. You know, no, no problem with that because I have like five, four or five other versions of it. Um, so another thing that I wonder is speaking of multiple versions, is there a comic story out there that you have multiple versions of? And I'm talking about like serious multiple versions. I don't mean like, Oh, I have the issues and I have the trade. I'm talking like you have multiple versions. So to illustrate what I mean is like, I do have Batman hush. So, um, and I do, uh, I do have crisis on the earth. So crisis on the earth is my favorite comic book story of all time. I have, I finally have the original issues, which I didn't have for the longest time, but I finally have, I have to double check, but I believe I have all of the original issues now. I might be still missing one or two, but I have to, I have to check to see which ones they are. Um, but I got the tough ones. So I got like the, the Barry Allen death one. I got the Supergirl death one and stuff. Um, so I have the original issues. I have the hardcover collected edition that they did. I have the absolute edition that they did. And then I have the ginormous box set that they did where it was like all these volumes that led up to it, all these volumes that came after it. Like, so I have like this mega box set that they did. Um, 
So that's Christ on Infinite Earth, uh, which I don't know if they've done much else. So I don't worry about getting the trades on stuff when it's something like that. Like, I don't need to get the trade paper back because I got a nice hardcover edition. I got an absolute edition. I got the issues. Like, I just, I don't need also, like, a trade paperback version of it. Um, I know some people would be like, well, yeah, but then a trade paperback, you don't worry about it getting beat up and, you know, you can toss it into a bag and everything else. But that's just the thing. Like, I do care about if my trade paper, yeah, trade paperbacks get beat up. Like, cause I like still putting my trade paperbacks on the shelf and them looking nice. So I don't abuse my trade paperbacks. Um, like I don't use them as just like cannon fodder. So now when it comes to Batman Hush, there's been a lot of versions of that. Uh, so I have the original issues. I have. The Absolute Edition. I have the Batman Noir ones, which is the, just the black and white. Uh, they're nice hardcover editions. I think there's still like one or two of the Noir ones that I really want to get. Um, I think Long Halloween's one of them that I don't have yet uh, in the Noir. But it's really cool. Like if you want to see just the artwork and it's and just see it like inked, then the, the Noir Batman Noir ones are perfect for that because you can still read the story. But it's as if they intentionally did a black and white comic, and that works really well for Batman. Um, then we, uh, then there's the uh, Batman Hush Unwrapped, which is the pencil art. It's kind of like an artist edition, but not quite. It's like you get the pencil artwork in a hardcover, and then you get the word balloons as if they were right from like the normal comics. So some of them are colorized and everything else. I don't really like that because, I mean, I'm fine with it, but like, because the, the idea is that you can still read it with just seeing the pencil work. I much would have preferred like something like an artist edition where I'm getting the full story, but all I'm seeing is the pencil work. I don't, I, I love to see what's behind those word balloons and everything, but, um, that nothing like that's come out just yet. So I have the unwrapped, which has the pencil work, which is cool. Cause then I have the noir, which has the ink work. Um, and then they did a, I want to say it was a 25th anniversary. Is it that old? No, it can't be that old. 15, 15 year anniversary, I think, of it. Maybe 20th anniversary. It's one of one of those two. I don't think it's a 25th anniversary. I don't think it's that old. Um, but anyways, it's, it's an anniversary edition that they did. And it's a hardcover edition that has just the whole Hush storyline in it. And... They did a, um, a variant cover of that that came out during local comic shop day. Uh, and I got the variant plus the regular edition. So I have two things that are basically the same other than the cover. Um, and then let's see, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then I got the coloring book version of Hush. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. Um, so that, and that again, it's kind of like just taking a look at the artwork. I mean, that's pretty much what you're doing. It's like these oversized pages with artwork. Um, I think I mentioned I have the absolute edition. Uh, they also did, I didn't get this, but it's something that I almost kind of want to track down. They did do a two volume hardcover edition. Uh, that was one of the first things that came out that collected it. Um, so I haven't really tracked those down to have them. Because, again, with having the Absolute and having all the other versions, I'm like, do I really need that, too, on top of it? But I don't know. So, anyways, weird tangent again. Uh, when we're, I'm, I just barely started the previews catalog. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Like, is it, I want to hear from you guys. Like, is there a comic that you wouldn't part with, say, 
this one was offering you $3,000 for it. I, and I don't mean like, oh, you have a comic that's worth more than 3000 and someone's offering it to. I'm talking about like a comic that is not out there right now that's that's worth 3000 like i'm talking about like you have an issue like i said with batman hush or you have the city of bane issue or something like that and they're like oh this is all of a sudden caught fire now and you, you, the issue you have now is worth $3000 when maybe a week ago it was worth 20 um would you sell it for 3000 and then i want to know do you guys have any story arcs that you have multiple versions of uh, and like I said, multiple can mean, basically means more than two. So like I said, I don't want to just, I have the issues and I have the trade, but do you have the trade, the issues, the hardcover, the collector's edition? Like, do you have like three, four different versions of something? So we'd love to hear like what you have and like, you know, is it just, it's your favorite. So that's why you wanted it or like, what is it? So Going back to the previous catalog here, uh, Commanders in Crisis number one. I picked this up and for two reasons. One is it was called Commanders in Crisis, and I love crisis stories, you know, Crisis of Earth and stuff like that. And this was supposed to have like that multiverse type feel to it. And I wanted to give Steve Orlando a different, another shot. I had mentioned in the past that I have read Steve Orlando's stories. Uh, he wrote the Batman one, like Island of Monsters or whatever the hell it was called, Night of Monsters. Night of the Monster Men, I think is what it was called. It, it was horrible. I could not stand it. I remember it because only because it's like my least favorite Batman story, I think, of all time. Um, of ones that I can remember. I'm sure I've read worse. But um, And then I read his Justice League, and I didn't really care for that either. Um so I stopped getting anything written by Steve Orlando because I just never found myself enjoying his writing. And it's not that he's a bad writer. It's just much like art. It just wasn't my cup of tea. It just wasn't something that I enjoyed. But I was like, you know what? This is his, this is a creator owned thing. You know, sometimes writers are way better with their own stuff. So I picked up Commanders in Crisis with a very open mind and wanted to read it. And there was two problems with it. One was, too much was trying to be crammed into the first issue. Like there was too many characters in the first issue. They wanted you to learn and care about. And that caused me to not really learn about any of them or care about any of them. Like this could have been a slow build up to what it ends up being. And, but that's not what they did. And then there was a twist at the end that felt very agenda based. It just felt like this was the purpose of it. And I don't know. Do, do I spoil what it, what it was? Well, the issue has been out for a little while now. So, um, if you don't want to hear what the end ending of the first issue for commanders in crisis was skip ahead, like five minutes, two minutes, three minutes, probably that's all I'm going to need. So anyways, so you've been warned, skip ahead. Um, so the ending is that all of these heroes were pulled from alternate realities because they were presidents of their world. Now that in itself is a cool concept and isn't agenda based, but the whole thing was, well, this character was the first, uh, female Latino president. This character was the first native American president. This character was the first African American president. This character was the first, uh, gay 
president. Like all of these characters were like presidents. And then I don't know if they had superpowers in their world or they were picked from their world and given superpowers to then try to save this one world that's, that's left. But I liked the concept up until that got, and it gets thrown in your face. That's, that's again, like what we talked about before. It's like, if you want me to like something and accept it and accept characters and everything else, you can't just like force stuff in there. And that's what this felt like at the very end. Like I'm reading this story and I'm like, all right, there's a lot crammed in here, but I'm sure after a few issues, maybe I can get to know these characters and get to like them. But I wasn't totally feeling it already. And then all of a sudden that gets dropped and it's this two page spread. And and like, that's the thing about these characters is that they were the first of a particular minority that became president on their world. That's the hook. That's the direction. That's what you're supposed to care about. And, and I just didn't because I hadn't even had a chance to care about the characters in the story because there wasn't, a, there wasn't a buildup to it. And it's like, like you haven't proven to me that these characters were good leaders or good anything. You're just basically saying that they were first of this particular minority group. And that, like I said, it's just, again, I go back to the whole, I don't care. Like I, I love diversity. I love getting diverse people working on stuff. I love diverse characters and everything like that but I want it to be integrated into a story. I don't want that to be the story, like, which is tough to say because sometimes there's really good stories when it's, when it does focus on stuff like that, but it's to draw attention to those things. Um, you know, whether it's drawing attention to the culture of, a, of certain people, uh, certain races and everything else, or if it's to draw attention to an issue like what we're having right now in the world with, race issues and stuff like that. Like, but this wasn't any of that. This was just like, Hey, this character is important because of this, because of what they are and not who they are. And, and I never cared about who the characters were when I was reading the story, but at the end they wanted me to care about what the characters were. And that, I, I think that's where it bothers me because I don't want to feel like, like I'm separated from, somebody because of what they are. I want to embrace what they are and I want to embrace, but more so I want to embrace who they are. Um, and if you're, I'm just going to throw out like a Latino, like if you're Latino and you love your Latino culture, that's awesome. It's part of who you are. And as I get to know you, I'm going to get to know part of your culture and stuff like that. And that's the stuff that I love. That's the stuff I embrace. But when you're, when you come to me, like say a person comes to you, they're the person's never going to do this, but a person comes to me and says, you should care about me because I'm Latino. Okay. Um, who are you and what do, do we have anything in common or do we have stuff that's not in common, but stuff about you that I might be interested in? No, I'm Latino. That's why you should care about me. That's why you should like me. And it's like, that's not enough. And that's what this issue felt for, like for me. It was like, I want to like these characters. I want to embrace these characters. But when you throw something like that at the end of the issue, I that, then it becomes about what they are, not who they are. And I want to care about people and characters for who they are. Um, and that's why, like I said, when you, when you do shine a spotlight on certain things going on in the world, 
um, in a comic book story or in any type of story, um, whether it be a movie or a book or anything like that, you get an audience to care about the issue and, and the, and what's happening because you get them to care about the characters and who those characters are. And like I said, I just felt like too much was crammed into this issue to get me to care about the characters so that when it, the reveal happened as far as what they are, um, I was like, you just turned me off even more because I didn't. I, now, the one thing I will say with Commanders in Crisis, the powers were really cool. That was the one thing. Like they, Steve Orlando took norm what could be just as normal powers here and there in other world, and he did them differently. So it wasn't just like um, telekinesis. There was like other elements of telekinesis that played into it that I had never seen before, and I so those things were cool. And that made me want to read more, but not enough to make me want to get the next issue. Because again, too many characters crammed into the first issue that I didn't learn to care about any single one of them enough. And then I get this thing thrown in my face at the very end of like, oh, well, that's this is who these characters are. This is what these characters are. And therefore, you should want to come back to learn more about them. But... You didn't make me care about them beforehand. So, and I know I sound like a broken record saying that, but it's just like, I just want to stress like, that's, that's what it is. Like, and I know people say, well, you, you have issues because it's, um, maybe you feel threatened. So I don't feel threatened by other people of other backgrounds because I, I love other backgrounds. I love embracing other backgrounds. When I hear somebody has a different background from me, which pretty much everyone would, <laughs> but you know, like, and, and it's part of who they are as a person. I'm very interested in that. Like I want to learn more. Um, and sometimes that can even be off putting cause it's like, they don't, you know, if, if you care about a person and you, you don't just focus on the what's about them. Um, one of my best friends in college, uh, said, uh, who was, uh, half, uh, Mexican and half white. He said to me, you know, him and I talked one time about stuff and he said, you know, if when someone uh, says something negative about his, him, about his race or something like that, he's like, um, why hate me for what I am when you could get to know who I am and find so many other reasons to hate me, uh, which is a very funny way of putting it. But it's, but that's exactly what I'm talking about is like, uh, this guy's name is Frank. He was, he's, uh, he was my best man at my wedding. And so I was a very cool guy. Um, I, fortunately I, I don't talk to him as much as I should. Uh, we, I just, it's one of those out of sight, out of mind type things. Like, uh, every once in a while we'll send a text to each other, but I have, unfortunately have not talked to him in a while. I think the last time I talked to him was maybe three weeks after my birthday. He sent me a text message cause he's always late, uh, sending a happy birthday wish. And he's like, happy three week anniversary of your birthday. And I said, Oh, thanks, man. And he's like, I bet you no one else remembered, um, which was pretty hilarious. So, and we talked for a little bit, but, um, I'll probably send him a text tomorrow just cause again, haven't talked to him in a while. Um, and, uh, and like I said in college, he was, he was my best friend and, uh, we've stayed in touch, but like I said, not nearly as much as we should. So, um, we've been through a lot together. So, uh, and then there's my buddies, Matt and Andy, who I, if they happen to be listening to this, I don't want to exclude them at all. 
um, the four of us hanging out together, like we were as close as, as anybody could be. So, um, great bunch of guys and I miss them dearly. I, I need to get out to Toledo more often to visit them and everything. But, um, I did have them out here a long time ago. The problem is, uh, my buddy, Matt, he's, he's married to Patty, who is also a dear friend, uh, from college. Um, and she's very highly allergic to, to, uh, dogs, unfortunately. Uh, and when they did come out here, we have a Labradoodle. She thought she might be okay because they're more hypoallergenic. And unfortunately she had a really, really bad reaction. Uh, she ended up being okay and everything, but, uh, unfortunately I can't just have them at the house because of that. Like I, I don't want to put her at risk or anything like that. And I'm sure that you guys might know people like that where it's just, they have a high, uh, allergy reaction, allergic reaction to stuff. And, uh, so they, you know, maybe they can't be in your home for X, Y, and Z reasons, stuff like that, whether it's cat or smoke or whatever the reason might be. Um, so, but the good thing that I can do and I should do more often is I should travel out to Toledo to visit them more, uh, because then what we can do is we can make sure that we don't have any pet dander on us when we head out there and we can spend the weekend out there. So, I really need to make that happen once this whole COVID thing ends. Um, but anyways, again, crazy topic, uh, tangent and, uh, but it gives you a little bit more insight into maybe my history and everything. But, uh, but like I said, it, it was one of those things where, you know, he said that to me and that's something that's always stuck with me. And, um, like I said, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of this stuff. Like I want, when I'm reading stories, I want to care about the characters I don't want to just care about what they are. I want to care about who they are. And that this issue kind of, like I said, it was, it was like the Spider-Man three syndrome of cramming, trying to cram too much into the first issue so that you kind of knew what, you know, what this world was and everything else, because I don't remember any of these characters. That's the problem. Like I don't remember any of them. Um, and not to go into a tangent of my comic at all. Um, because Hey, you guys might, those of you that got it might read it and go, this is crap. Um, so I'm by no means the authority when it comes to, uh, writing a good story. Uh, I'm only starting out, but I knew one of the things was I, I had so much I wanted to be able to tell in a story, but I didn't want to do the Spider-Man three syndrome. I didn't want to put too many characters in and have people not remember characters. So there's like, as far as characters to really remember, there's one, two, three, three main characters in the story, in the main story. There's a fourth one in the backup story. And then there's like some side characters where if you didn't remember them, it's okay. Cause they'll come up later, um, where you'll get to get to know them. So, uh, my hope is that when you're done reading it, you'll know the four main characters, the three from the main story and the one from the backup story. Um, but like I said, this crammed, and I'm also giving you 28 issues or 28 issues, 28 pages, 27 pages really of story, um, to really get to know. So it's a thicker issue to feel fit more in there. So, um, like I said, I'm not, putting myself as an authority. I'm just saying like, that was something that I knew that other people did that I didn't care for, that I didn't want to do in mine. I didn't want to try to cram too much into an issue. And that's what happened with commanders of Christ. And I'm spending a lot of time on an issue that I didn't care for, but 
I wanted to stress like what was going on in the issue and, and why it kind of turned me off. So, um, so I can't really say that in, unless I hear something incredible is written by Steve Orlando, I can't say that I'm going to give it another shot. And, um, like I said, it's just my personal preference. I know some people that loved, love Steve Orlando's writing. It's just, again, like art, it just the, it doesn't click for me. There's something in his writing that doesn't click for me. Um, then we got Adventure Man, Volume 1, Hardcover, uh, The End and Everything After. So I still have only read the first issue. This does collect issues 1 through 4 in a nice hardcover with some behind-the-scenes sketches and everything else. That's awesome. This might be a hardcover that I look to get at some point um, because I really love the first issue. I have... I know issues 2 and 3 have come out. I don't know if issue 4 has already come out or not. Um but I have issues two and three and I really need to read them. Whatever issues have come out, I've read, I have them and I need to read them. Uh, Stillwater, uh, by Chip Zdarsky. Number two is solicited in this previews. Um, I, since I lost the, the last previews, I, I wanted to make sure I covered some things that, uh, had that in this previews had issue two or three in it. And I never, I, I'm sure I covered it last in the previous one that got lost. So Stillwater, was recommended by my comic shop. I read the first issue and there's an awesome twist at the end of the first issue. It's this story of the, these two guys, they, um, their roommates, best friends, they, they head to a small town because the one is summoned there because of like, uh, a reading of a will inheritance type thing. He gets there. People, he goes to the law office and people don't know what the hell he's talking about. It's, it's a small town environment where they're like, I don't know who you are and who you guys are and you're making us uncomfortable by being here. And then things escalate. And then there's this shocker moment at the end of the first issue. And, um, yeah, I was like, okay, now I'm in. So I have issue two and three and I have not read those yet. Well, I will be reading those though. And I've heard issues two and three are, uh, like if you kind of like, if you liked issue one, you're going to really like issues two and three. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Norse mythology. Number one, it's by Neil Gaiman. This was one that I was interested in getting. Uh, but I think it's going to be one that I wait till it comes out in a, I, I actually would like to get this in hardcover. The art that I see here, it's pretty basic, but it reminds me a little bit of uh, Mike Mignola, which I know he does the cover. Um, and then there's art by Jerry Ordway and art by Dave Stewart. So like, I'm interested because especially because it's North, Norse mythology, and I'm interested to see what Neil Gaiman does with that. So, all right, well, uh, jumping ahead to dark horse here, we have stranger things, Halloween special. So this did come out close to Halloween. I wanted to pick up this issue because I love picking up, Halloween themed stuff or scary stuff to read at Halloween. I got a lot of stuff this year that I had set aside to read and it was a little too much, uh, cause I never got to finish it all. Uh, that's when I set aside like swamp thing and American vampire and another, uh, story I'm going to mention later. And I read those and really liked them. Uh, but then there was other things like, um, the damned one that from DC that I mentioned, I didn't get to read that yet. So I'm still going to read some of these horror ones. So Halloween didn't really end for me because I still want to read them. 
but Stranger Things Halloween Special was one that I wanted to pick up, and my shop was sold out of it. So uh, I will just have to uh, maybe read it digitally or, or track it down if I, if I want to. So uh, then this was a f- one that I wanted to mention. Bill and Ted are doomed. This is number two. They had number one in the issue that I mentioned that I lost. Um, so this is the prequel to the new movie. So this takes place between Bill and Ted's bogus journey and Bill and Ted face the music. And it's, uh, Evan Dorkin is writing and Roger Langridge is the artist. Uh, and I love Roger Langridge's art. Um, he did a lot of Muppet stuff and everything. So, uh, I'm interested in reading the story, not necessarily when I'm picking up in issues, but I am interested to read the story eventually. Uh, jumping into IDW, our bread and butter of this show, pretty much. Uh, we have Transformers Back to the Future number one of four. Uh, so I did read the first issue and really liked it. It's uh, definitely heavy fandom for Back to the Future in the first issue. There's a lot of Transformers in it, don't get me wrong. But as far as like nods to the fandom... Uh, there's a lot of, and references, I guess I should say, there's a lot of references to the Back to the Future movie. Like, there's certain things that happen that are just like, Back to the Future fans can absolutely love. Um, there's plenty of Transformers stuff in it, though. So if you're a Transformers fan, you will absolutely love it. Um, I do have a video review of this issue. So if you go to YouTube, you'll, should be able to find it because I should have that review out before this episode comes out. So this episode I'm hoping to get out this weekend, but I'm hoping to get the video review of Back to the Future, Transformers Back to the Future, number one, out before this one, this comes out. So um, so if you're hearing this, go on to the YouTube channel and you can hear my full review of this particular comic, like what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, um, and all that. Transformers IDW Collection Phase 2, Volume 12, we're getting closer to the end of that Transformers run. So there's still quite a bit more to go. So this collects Transformers 51 through 57, Transformers Till All Are One, 1 through 4, Titans Return number 1, and Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number 56 through 57. I can't remember if Transformers and More Than Meets the Eye, if that was, the 57 was the last issue of that. I feel like it was, but I'm not 100% sure. And I feel like maybe one more hardcover collection, so volume 13, could wrap it all up, potentially. But probably, actually, probably not, because I think, so Till All or One goes for, uh, I think it at least reaches double digits. And then you also have the Optimus Prime series. And yeah, so we might be going like 14, 15 volumes before they finally get all of that run done. But I love these hardcovers. Uh, this one has Soundwave on it. Soundwave looks beat up and everything. Um, he may be turning into Sound Blaster because his paint is coming off. So it's like, I don't know if they're trying to convert him into sound, what Sound Blaster looks like. But anyways, uh, cool cover. And uh, really love these hardcovers. I have every single one of them that have come out when it comes to Transformers, when it comes to G.I. Joe, when it comes to Turtles. Um, I think those are the main three that they've done these hardcovers for. And when I say G.I. Joe, I mean both the Larry Hama G.I. Joe as well as the IDW run that they've done in hardcovers so far. I don't know 
and I, I hope they do, but I don't know if they will ever finish either one of the Joe ones. I really want them to continue doing the Larry Hama ones. Maybe we'll start seeing those again once the Snake Eyes movie comes out because IDW will want to capitalize on that, but I don't know. Um, Transformers number 24. Uh, I am still woefully behind on the main Transformers series. Uh, just It's just been a tough read. I did hear it gets better, like that the first 10 to 12 issues are the toughest ones to get through. And that's about where I'm at right now. I think I'm issue on issue 11 or something like that. Uh, and then it, it picks up and is a lot better. So I, uh, like once they start getting into the war itself and everything else. So, um, and then Transformers Galaxies number 12. Uh, I have read, I think I have one or two issues of this to read. And then I'll be caught up when it comes to Galaxies. So but I've really liked Galaxies. They're fun little individual story arcs um, that focus on, like, one to two characters. So I really like that. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons at the uh, Spine of the World, number one of four. I only mention this because Dungeons & Dragons is one of those stories and comics that I would love to read, just somehow find time to read more of them. Uh, I love fantasy world stuff, especially creatures and the different stuff like rangers and clerics and mages and all that fun stuff and elves and whatnot. Um, but it's just, there's so much out there and I don't have the time to focus and read on, read all of them. Um, I have a couple trades of like old classic, um, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, but I don't have, uh, I just wish I had the time to like really sit down and read a whole lot of fantasy stuff like that. Uh, then we have Marvel Action Chillers. So these are, and it's number one and number two. These are the all ages level stuff. I did pick up Chillers number one. I have not read it yet. It literally came out just very recently. Um, but it looks like it, like the artwork looks like it's fun. The storyline looks like it'll be fun. So, um, interested in that. Uh, we have Star Wars Adventures number two. So this is definitely one of those ones where um, the first issue was in the episode that I lost. So um, I did do a review of Star Wars Adventures number one, and which also has a backup story of Tales of Villainy in it. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, I liked the backup story more than the main story. The main story was... Just a kind of a fun little adventure type story, and it's a two-parter, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. The backup story is the one that was amazing, uh, and I did do a review of this on YouTube. Again, I would ask you to go watch it. I think only about eight people have watched it so far, and I think it's because I did do another review that followed it up like a day or two later. Like, so there wasn't it wasn't lingering out there for very long. Um, but it's. The issue, the, the issue's good. The backup story is phenomenal. It focuses on a different perspective of when Vader and the Empire are invading the Hoth, uh, Echo, uh, Echo Base Station. So I highly recommend it. If you, if you are a fan of Star Wars and you're a fan of the original trilogy, that issue is worth picking up to get that back. It, backup story, I, and I maybe I'm overhyping it, and I'm gonna, and maybe that'll ruin it for you. But 
because um, maybe you're like, it's not that good, Ryan. But I actually think it was very good. I really like the artwork on it, and I really, really, really like the story of it. So uh, then we have Star Wars Adventures Volume 11, Rise of the Wookiees. Uh, and then we have Star Wars Adventures Shadow of Vader's Castle. This is a one-shot, a 48-page one-shot. So they've done the Vader's Castle thing before. Um, it's kind of like a, a darker adventures style so it's still all ages but it's a little bit darker stories and everything else this is a one shot so rather than doing a whole another set of mini of of single issues that are a mini series they just figure they'll do a, a 48 page one shot there uh then we have star wars adventures clone wars battle tales is a trade paperback that collects that mini series which i read the first issue i haven't read anything more beyond that but i read the first issue and it was it that one was mediocre like that one was just kind of like i was like the story I read in that was something I would expect to read in like issue 11 of a series where it's just like you're, it's a, it felt like a filler issue. It didn't feel like a number one issue that took really grab you. So, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimate Collection Volume 5. This is the trade paperback run of that. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the IDW Collection, uh, hardcover, uh, Volume 12. And it has Old Hob on the cover. Um, this collects issues 85 through 89 uh, of the main series, Turtles Universe 23 through 25, which 25 was the last issue of that. And then uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bebop and Rockstead, he hit the road miniseries. So quite a bit in there, plus the macro series of Michelangelo and macro series of Leonardo. So a lot of stuff in there. Cannot praise Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles enough. Uh and these hardcovers are amazing and very affordable. So they do mark this one at like $60. Most of them in the past have been $50. This one does have a bit more issues in it, I think, because uh, it's some oversized issues in it. Um, but you can also, like, if you pre-order these things or even if you just look on Amazon, you should be able to get it at like 40 bucks or $35, somewhere in that range. Totally worth it for that price, 100%. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Last Ronin, number two of five. Cannot say enough great things about the first issue. Loved the first issue. Was over the moon about the first issue. So, uh, also did a review of this on the YouTube channel. So if you're not checking out the YouTube channel, I am putting out reviews. Some stuff's older, some stuff's newer. This, obviously you've heard me. I'm, I'm covering a lot of newer stuff. Uh, so trying to keep that as topical as possible, but still doing some Older stuff that I always wanted to cover and never ended up doing reviews on. So, um, did a full review on the first issue of Last Ronin. Check it out. It's an awesome story. Really, really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 110. I do need to get caught up on that so I can start doing reviews on that. Uh, Godzilla History's Greatest Monster. This collects the full series, uh, all 13 issues. And, uh, this has got some great Dave Wachter art in it and everything else. So definitely worth getting that trade, especially if you're a Godzilla fan, you absolutely need to pick that up. Uh, Snake Eyes Dead Game, number four of five. I have not read issue two yet. I did not like issue one. I did again, a review of issue one on the YouTube channel. Um, there's a lot of reviewers out there that actually really liked it, but they weren't 
reviewers who are typically comic book fans or G.I. Joe fans. Some of them are comic book fans, but never really read much G.I. Joe. Just remember the cartoon, and they're like, this is fun. It reminds me of the cartoon. I'm like, no, 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 no. The, the first issue of this was garbage. Now, Chuck liked it. And when I asked him what he liked about it, he it's typical Chuck. It's just Roadhouse. It's like, he just like, I just liked it. I go into some detail on the um, YouTube review. So I did not care for the first issue. It did not make me excited. And Chuck actually got me excited and interested in this miniseries because he was just like, hey, if anyone could ever do Snake Eyes, it would be Rob Liefeld. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. And and now I've seen that he's going to have a, he at least on the cover of one of the variant issues, he, he has a red costume, makes it so look like Deadpool. Um, and then I saw like his sister supposed to be brought in, which he has a sister, but I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just, ugh. uh, GI Joe American hero number two seventy six. Uh, I did do a review of issue 275, again, on the YouTube channel. I cannot stress enough going to the YouTube channel. I, I didn't know I was really that keeping up that much with stuff on the YouTube channel, but obviously going through this stuff, I am. So um, I've evidently got caught up on quite a few things. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, 275, uh, artwork-wise, beautiful, story-wise, there's a couple things that kind of fell apart for me. So... Here's a couple things I'm going to mention with it. Uh, so again, spoiler for two, issue 275. It is a silent issue. Uh, that, so there's no words. There's no reason for there not to be any words in it. Uh, it's There's no story element that causes there not to be words in it. Um, I've been told that Larry Hama really did, did care about the issue, that a lot of work went into the issue. I have no doubt that a lot of work went into the issue. In fact, I know a lot of work went into the artwork and everything else. Um, but I don't know if a lot of focus went into the story. And I say that because there was actually, I only mentioned one of them in the YouTube review, but there was two things that really stood out for me with the, the finale of this, the snake hunt. So one of the things, and this is separate from the two things I mentioned that stood out. So one of the things with the story is that it's very basic. It's, uh, Cobra steals snake eyes, Sean Collins, snake eyes. Joe wants to get them back to save their friend, but also so Cobra commander never learns that it's not the original snake eyes. So a bunch of different factions all come together and, and go and save them. So it's basic. the basic plot is, this person got kidnapped. We're going to go save him. And that's the plot for the 10 issues. Um, and I was having a lot of fun reading it. Uh, even though that it was a basic plot, I also knew that they were trying to fit every Joe character into it that's ever been done ever. Um, and that was fun to kind of to see and how they pulled it off. Um, but also it becomes a gimmick. And when the gimmick is stronger than the story, that that's a tough thing. Uh because it takes away from the story. So, but like I said, I was having fun. There were certain moments in the story that I was like, that is cool. Like there's a Rudy moment. Uh, and if you've seen the movie Rudy and you've read these issues, you'll know the moment I'm talking about. Um, and then, but so two things at the end that fell apart for me story-wise. One is, 
there was a character that was a Siggy that was um, uh, Laura. Her name is Laura, and she's a prominent character in the storyline. Uh, Larry really built her up in the storyline, and then at the end, I don't know if she lives, and I don't know if she dies. I know what she does, and I see her kind of diving out of the way, but there's no resolution as to whether she survives it or not. And it's not, it's not like it's clear that like, Oh, well you just didn't see the body, but there was this explosion or this happened. No, nothing like that happened. We don't see the, what actually happens. So I don't know if she lives or not. Then the other thing that was very glaring, and I wish I would have thought of this one. Um, when I did the YouTube review, but through the storyline, there was a big focus on the satellite, the, the Joe satellite that's up in space gets taken down. It gets, Cobra takes it out. And it's a satellite that can kind of shoot a laser down like that they've done tests with and everything else. They wanted to get a new one up there. And I think it's the, the one that shoots a laser. Again, not completely clear, but I know that that was something from past issues. They wanted to get in, they had a new one to get up there and they needed to get it up there to provide support to the Joes that were going to save Snake Eyes. And all of that led up to the issue before issue 275. And then in issue 275, there's not even a hint about that satellite. It kind of reminded me about the, uh, something Robert and I joked about in the past where, uh, the Cobra Troopers that were on the moon base for Cobra in the IDW universe. And then they were trapped up there and we never heard anything more about them for a long time. I know that got resolved later, um, in, in a disturbing way, but it got resolved later. But, um, but for the longest time it was like, no one remembered about those troops being up there. And finally someone circled back many, many moons later, no pun intended, uh, and addressed that. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to address Laura. I assume that they will, since she was kind of a prominent character in this story. Um, but they, you just didn't really know what happened to her. And then you didn't know what happened. And then the satellite became a non-factor. Like there's, there was whole, there was whole plot line leading up about the satellite. And then in the last issue, issue 275, the satellite's not even a factor. It's uh, not even shown. It's not even, a, I didn't even see a hint of like a laser beam coming down from the sky that let me know that it played a role into any of this. So yeah, I, like I said, and I know I'm not alone. There was a lot of Joe fans that were felt very let down with issue 275. That's not to take away from the work that went into it. I know there was a lot of people that were involved in it. I know a lot of people worked hard on it. But I also know some things that I saw and I know some things that, um, I know some behind the scenes things and, uh, from both people that felt very positive about it and some people that felt very negative about it. And I'm not talking about just one source. I'm talking about multiple sources of multiple people that I, I, that I know. Um, I just, yeah, just. A lot of fans are feeling, feel a certain way. When I posted the review of the, uh, in various Joe groups, a lot of people kind of felt similar about the issue that I, as I did, which on one hand, I'm like glad I wasn't alone in feeling that way. But on the other hand, I was sad that, that 
so many people. I would have loved to have been the lone person that felt like, yeah, that issue didn't work um, from a story standpoint. Um, but I wasn't. Like, I would have loved to have been the only one that felt that way because then it's like, okay, well, a lot of people really enjoyed it. Maybe I need to reread it, relook at it, I should say, because it was a silent issue. Um, and, but I, I wasn't. And a lot of people kind of pointed out a lot of things that I felt about it too. Um, so that's all I'm going to really say about it. Um, it's just, like I said, it was kind of a letdown. And I know there's people passionate about Joe, and I know there's people that really, really liked it because they're proud of what went into it and everything else, and that's great. Um, it, as I said in my YouTube review, it's a very pretty issue. Very pretty. It's got some amazing pinup pages in it. But it doesn't make sense that it was a silent issue. It doesn't, there were certain story elements that didn't make sense. Um, and at the end of the day, it was just, okay, we rescued him. I mean, that's really, you know, this guy was kidnapped. We rescued him. Um, I feel like the gimmick got ahead of the story at some, at some point. So, but with issue 276, they're starting to do untold tales. And these are, uh, new, it's like a new segment where it's like never before seen adventures of heroes and villains. And, uh, it's different artists, just like they do with, uh, special missions, which I loved those stories. And I'm going to be doing more reviews of those past stories. Um, I'm looking forward to reading these untold tales issues. So, uh, and I know Brian Shearer is doing, I think issue 277 or 278. Um, he definitely has an alternate cover for 276. He has cover B, um, which I don't think I ordered cover B. I want to get it cause I do like Brian's artwork. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, and I, I'm trying to coordinate, just to let you guys know, I'm trying to coordinate getting Robert, Brian, and possibly even Shannon all on the same episode together. And that hopefully will happen soon. Um, and uh, I'll at least have one of them on. I'm hoping to have two of them on, and I would love if I have all three of them on. I think you guys would absolutely love having all three on at the same time. So I'm going to see if I can make that happen relatively soon. I'm hoping either the week of Thanksgiving, you know, obviously not on Thanksgiving, but before that, or the week right after, if I can get them all to uh, find a time that all of them can make it. So uh, then we jump into Dynamite. We have Rainbow Bright, Volume 1. And uh, I did read the, the miniseries. It's a fun miniseries. Like, it's a fun all-ages story. It gives some history to Rainbow Bright, which had never existed before. So uh, then we have Dune House uh, Atreides, or Atreides. Uh Grub, you're going to have to let me know how the hell you pronounce that, because I know you're a big Dune fan. Uh, I did pick up the first issue of this. Uh, it's a 12-issue uh, miniseries, maxi-series, whatever you want to say. It's a prequel to the original Dune, uh, and, it, and of course, people probably know that there's a movie coming out. So um, I was interested to see what it's about. So then there's uh, Berserker, B-R-Z-R-K-R, uh, and this is the one that was touted because uh, you have Keanu Reeves is writing it with Matt Kent. Uh, I have a feeling that it's more 
Matt Kent writing than Keanu Reeves. Um, the character looks a lot like Keanu Reeves. So, uh, but it's, it says, discover the next blockbuster action franchise from iconic Keanu Reeves in the, in his must read comic book, uh, writing debut alongside New York Times bestselling co-writer, uh, Matt Kent, uh, in a brutally violent new series about one immortal warriors fight through the ages. So, um, it says the man known as Berserker is half mortal and half God cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. So, uh, sounds like Hercules having to live through a many, many decades and then going nuts because of it. So, uh, then jumping ahead, we have, uh, the mighty Morphin power Rangers, uh, issue 55. It's the last, issue of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This is something that I'm getting in hardcover editions because uh, I did find that I really liked the story, the few stories that I've read, and people told me, oh, if you like those stories, then you will like the full series. So uh, I'm taking their word for it, and they have just these awesome hardcovers out for that collects everything. So I've got volumes 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I do need to track down volume 4, which just recently came out. Um, so I'm eager to do that. Uh, then we do have Mega Man Fully Charged, number three. I did read issue number one. Uh, I have had a recorded review of that for a while now, uh, cause I recorded it shortly after issue one came out and I just never released it. So I will be releasing that around the same time that I am releasing the Back to the Future one. I'll probably release the Back to the Future one first, uh, the Transformers Back to the Future one. Uh, but then I will also release the Mega Man one as well. So then we've got, uh, Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, number 12 of 12. So that finishes that up. And then we have Labyrinth Coronation, volume three, soft cover. So if you like getting the soft covers instead of the hard covers, um, then that is available there for you. Then we have X-Men, the art and making of the animated series hardcover. I love the thought behind this because I'm hoping that there's like, I know it's Jim Lee inspired characters and sketches and designs. Like I want to see all of that went into the cartoon. Love that cartoon series. I know it gets really wonky at times, but I really love it. And, um, would that, that hardcover is definitely something I would love to own. So, uh, let's see, jumping ahead here. Uh, we have the Garbage Pail Kids Volume 1 Welcome to Smellville hardcover. And this is written by R.L. Stein. I do remember seeing this at the comic shop. Did not pick it up. Um, but I, I have some fun nostalgia when it comes to Garbage Pail Kids. I think a lot of us do, uh, giving the cards growing up and everything. But, uh, and, and it's written by R.L. Stein, which is pretty awesome that he's writing, that he wrote that. So, um, Madam Satan, number one, it's a one shot that takes place in the, uh, Sabrina teenage witch world. I did pick this one shot up. I have not been reading Sabrina teenage witch, but I have watched the Netflix series and the Netflix series is really good. Um, it's definitely darker than you would expect, but it's also got that teen angsty stuff involved in it too. Uh, but I read this first, this one shot issue just for the heck of it again, wanting to pick up something for Halloween and it was okay. It was cliched. You, you kind of saw where everything was going to go. Um, the art was good. 
Uh, but yeah, it wasn't like a favorite read or anything that you really feel like you need to track down. Um, something I will say to track down. So from Upshot, uh, like Awa, AWA Studios, uh, they have their Upshot comics and everything. Uh, there's some trade collections. So I did get The Resistance, Volume 1, which is by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, I'm eager to read that. I have not read it yet. Um, but it, I've heard good things about it. So it's basically shortly after a few thousand suddenly, uh, let's say a global disaster leaves hundreds of millions dead in its wake. Shortly after a few thousand suddenly manifest superpowers. Uh, are they harbingers of more peril to come or Earth's last hope? So very interested in that. I have always liked J. Michael Straczynski's writing. Uh, it's illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr., so it's going to be pretty. Um, the only thing with J. Michael Straczynski is that he tends to not finish stuff. <laughs> uh, but since this is a trade, everything's there. Uh, I'm sure they're probably, it probably goes beyond this story, but at least I've got this one trade. Um, Year Zero trade paperback. This was one that I got for Halloween and read it and really liked it. If you like The Walking Dead, if you like zombie stories, you absolutely should pick up Year Zero. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's much like The Walking Dead. It focuses on characters. Um but in this case, we're looking at the very beginning of the plague, the very beginning of the zombie apocalypse. And, uh, we, much like The Walking Dead, we don't know what caused it. Uh, well, we, we kind of do a little bit more with this because one of the characters you're following is the beginning of everything. Um, is, it's what caused all of this to, to take place. And it's basically, it's kind of like a virus. You know, in the world we're living in right now, very apropos. Um, but you follow other all these characters from around the world. So there's one guy who is a hitman, and he has. Uh, I won't. Well, I won't spoil what the, his issue is, but he's a hitman, and he's got a whole story arc that's going on. There's some women in the Middle East, and they have a whole story arc going on. There's a kid in Mexico and he's got a story arc going on. So like, and Oh, and then there's a, a lonely guy that prepared for the apocalypse and he's got a story arc. Um, this is one that I am. Uh, so if I go to the next, uh, page, I believe it is, or a couple pages, maybe anyways, it, Maybe it's in the next previews. Yeah, I think it's in the next previews. Year Zero Volume 2 is starting, and I'm going to wait till the trade is out because I actually liked reading this in the trade. I liked not having to wait to find out what's happening with these characters. I feel like this storyline lends itself to the trade very, very well because you get to know these characters a lot better, I think, because of that. So... um yeah, I really, really liked this a lot. And like I said, if you like a good zombie story where it's focused on the characters, um, like The Walking Dead focused on a small band of characters in this one area of the country. This one focuses on a bunch of characters, uh, individual characters for the most part, um, in different parts of the world. And I thought that was a really cool take on it and everything. So, 
Um, and like I said, they are all from different walks of life and different situations and everything like that. Um, and then there's a uh, hotel hell, basically it's hotel with E L L, but it's basically hotel hell. Um, I picked this one up also. I have not read it yet, but I heard like there it's a bunch, it's like an anthology story. Like there's stories of different things that happen, but then there's an overarching thing that ties them all together. So I'm looking forward to that, but it's another horror type story. So, um, then we have the flash from Chartwell books. We have the flash hundred greatest moments, hardcover looking forward to getting this, uh, hopefully soon. Cause number one, I love the flash second favorite character of all comics. Um, but also I have like the Batman one, the justice league one, that's like this, the villains one, uh, all these cool DC ones. I was super excited to see that they were doing a Flash one. I don't know if they'll expand and do like a Green Lantern one, an Aquaman one, Superman one. I don't think they've done Superman yet. Um, I think they did a heroines one. So it wasn't just one wrong. I think they did overall heroines of DC. Um, I can't remember if they did a Superman one or not. I have to look. Uh, they definitely did a Batman one because I have that, and I have the villains one, and I think I have the heroines one, um, and I have the Justice League one for sure. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that they did a Flash one. So, and it's a hardcover, and there's a lot of material in it, and it's twenty five bucks. Boom! If if like I can tell you for a fact that my comic shop was shocked that it was only twenty five dollars. They were like, it it's this big hardcover. There's a lot of content in it. It talks about each moment. It talks about what issue it's in. There's sometimes some other information in there. There's cool images in there. It's a nice, it's a nice size hardcover. It's like oversized and everything else. And they looked up the price and they're like, I can't believe this is only $25. So yeah, it, it, you got to jump on that. Uh, if you like Batman, if you like Flash, if you like Justice League, you like villains in general, you got to get these hardcover books because they're they're so worth it for the price, especially for the price that you're paying for them. Um, let's see. Then we have let's see, jumping ahead. We have Star Wars: The Lightsaber Collection hardcover. Uh, this goes through all the different histories of different lightsabers that have been in the Star Wars galaxies. Um, so that's out there. Uh, Dark Crystal Touch and Feel Book of Opposites book. Uh, board book. So this is definitely for kids, but a dark crystal magic fun there. Um, then we have, uh, Mike Moorcock library, the Elric, the eternal champion collection hardcover. I mentioned that just cause my buddy Keith Knitson, who's out there loves Elric and he loves to get himself some Moorcock. Ah, there you go, Keith. Uh, it was a running joke on DC noise for a long time that, you know, that Keith likes Moorcock. I know it's childish. I know it's second grade. I don't care. Um, but no, but in all seriousness though, he, he really does love Elric. So this is right in line. It's from Titan comics, Keith. Uh, if you like fantasy, high fantasy stuff, like this is definitely something to get. And we have star Wars age of resistance, the official collector's edition from Titan comics. I love these collected editions. I think they're pretty awesome. Um, there's always the, the newsstand version, the exclusive version, and then there's the hardcover. And I always get the hardcover when it comes to those. 
then we have the Legend Legend of Zelda. This is from Viz Media. We have the Legend of Zelda Legendary Edition box set. This collect this is a it looks like a uh, chest, uh, and inside the chest, uh, I guess it plays music. Like the box box set I have doesn't play music. It just looks like a, a square chest. This has like a rounded lid to it and everything. But and I guess like I said, it plays Legend of uh, plays Zelda game sounds when you open it. And inside it contains a new poster, but it also has these really nice, uh, hardcover editions of the, of some of the, of the five best selling games of Legend of Zelda, uh, and it's their strategy guides. So I have one that's like this. I think it, I think the one I have even has more than five. It might have more than five. I have to double check, but at least has five in it. And there's super nice hardcover, um, like, uh, strategy guides. And I think I've mentioned this before on the show. I like getting the Legend of Zelda strategy guides, even though if I'm not playing the game, because there's a lot of content in them, uh, the, of the mythology of the world and everything else. Like it just, it's just something that I can then immerse myself in, in that world, even if I'm not playing the game. Um, and I love that about it. Like, I just love learning all about the Legend of Zelda world. And, uh, and there's been other hardcovers that have been done in the same style that they've released then as well. So, uh, and then there's Transformers, the manga volume three, uh, which I have volume one. I haven't read it. I heard from somebody, I'm trying to remember who it was that was telling me about it. I don't remember if it was Joe Nickrand or Anthony House Seal. Or whoever it was, I apologize. I'm not remembering who it was that told me about. They were like, these mangas are really good. Um, and they're supposed to, I think they're supposed to pick up after the animated series, like the main animated series, not the ones that then continued over in Japan. Um, but I didn't realize that there was a volume two and a volume three. I have volume one, so I need to get volumes two and three. Volume three is the one that's solicited right here. So. Um, that is definitely on my list for Christmas. Um, speaking of lists for Christmas, Star Wars Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Volume 1. So this takes the uh, book that was by Claudia Gray. I mentioned Claudia Gray earlier. Uh, and it makes it into a manga, and I really love that. I They did a Luke Skywalker one like this, so now they're, they're doing the Princess Leia one. This was also one that I did not notice when this previous catalog came out, so it's something that I will probably add to my Christmas wish list. Going on to the next previews catalog, and this is going to be a late night because it's already midnight. <laughs> um, we have uh, this is the September previews catalog, and just to let you know, I'm still feeling pretty awake. I'm going to go through this until. Uh, I'm done with all the previews, so um, we're in for a long ride. So not as much in this one because most of the stuff I think I covered in the last one, although there's still a lot of stuff marked here. So uh, first thing is from Image. We have Crossover number one. Uh, if you are a comic fan, you need to get Crossover. It's very meta, but in a story meta way. Um, so it's written by Donnie Cates. It's basically what if we lived in a world where all the comic all the stories that you knew, comic stories and other types of stories, all of a sudden became a reality. All of a sudden they just showed up in your world. Uh, that's really what this story is. It's done exceptionally well. 
I love, I like the artwork on it. I love the story in it. Donny Cates is one of those writers that, um, he's just does an amazing job. He's been doing an amazing job for Marvel. And so him doing his own creator thing. And I heard what the concept was and I was like, that sounds really interesting. Um, I read the first issue, loved it. Looking forward to more. Um, they did a darkness, uh, number one, 25th anniversary commemorative edition. I really liked darkness. Darkness came from the Witchblade series. Uh, it was a spinoff of that, but I really liked, uh, I haven't read a lot of darkness, but I, what I've read, I've really liked. Um, and they're actually doing, when I turn the page here, they are actually also doing the complete darkness volume one trade paperback. And then there's the complete darkness volume one hardcover. Um, I do want to get the hardcover collect collection as well as the one for Witchblade. Um, they're just stories that I think I would like. I know it's the Witchblade one's very cheesecakey looking and everything else, but I think the story is still really strong, really good. The darkness one is from what I've read. I have like a big hardcover omnibus edition of darkness. I haven't read all of it. I read some of it really have liked what I've read. Um, it's, it's nineties edginess, but I like it. So, um, I like that they're doing this when, with them calling it the complete darkness. I'm hoping they really stick with that and I'm hoping that they stick with it being hardcover and trade. Like I'm hoping that at some point they don't go, okay, not many people are buying the hardcovers. So we're going to stick with the trade to finish it off. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case, but I've seen stuff like that happen before. Uh, in dark horse, we have stranger things and dungeons and dragons. Number one of four. Uh, I would say if you are a fan of Dungeons & Dragons, you're a fan of Stranger Things, this is one to pick up. Uh, it's basically the guys getting together for the first time to start, start doing Dungeons & Dragons together. Uh, the artwork looks okay. I think the story element's going to be what drives it the most. I really love the variant cover that they did for this one, where it looks like uh, a I say strategy guys source book. Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons. I think Sourcebook's the right term. Um, so I, I really like that variant cover for it because I think that's pretty fun. Um, then also from Dark Horse, we have from the world of Black Hammer, uh, Barb Alien Red Planet. Uh, so I mentioned that I do want to read Black Hammer. Uh, and they also have uh, Colonel Weird Cosmogog, which is also from that world of Black Hammer. Uh, Barb Alien Red Planet is like... Uh, a take on Martian Manhunter. Uh, it's like their version of that world. Uh, Colonel Weird Cosmogog. I don't really know what character that's supposed to be playing off of, but I know like all these characters are supposed to be like analogies or analogous to like other characters that we know from comics. Um, so just with their own unique take and everything else. But, um, yeah, I want to get into the world of Black Hammer because I've heard good things about it. So, and I think those are ones that most of them are available right now, uh, or on the, on the app. So, and we have Star Wars Adventures number three. Looks like we've got an Obi-Wan tale from the prequel, prequel time period. Uh, we have from IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica two, number one. So they did a Jenica miniseries. This is the second uh, miniseries that they're doing involving Jenica. That first one must have done well. I haven't read that one. That one will definitely be one as I'm getting caught up on turtle stuff that I will read 
that, and I will probably do a review of the first issue of that. Um, I do want to get caught up because I would like to read this first issue and review it. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Best of Donatello, they've done a Best of Raphael. I think there's also going to be a Best of Leonardo and Michelangelo and stuff. Uh, I think I've seen already the preview for um, Leonardo, but this is Donatello. Like I said, they've done Raphael already. And then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 111. I really like the cover on this one, which is like all these little chibi versions of the turtle. And uh, it's a like a side cut out of an apartment building where they're all doing various things. So just looks like a fun cover. Uh, then we have G.I. Joe Castlefall. Uh, and this is the, it's a one shot, 48 page one shot that takes place in the new IDW universe of G.I. Joe, which again, I will tell people, uh, if you read the first issue or the first two issues of this and did not like it and gave up, go back to it. I, I am honestly recommending it because I actually like where it ended up going. The first issue I didn't really care for. I thought it was mediocre. Um, there was things about it I really just didn't like. Uh, second issue was okay. Uh, third issue was a little bit better, but still just kind of okay. Um, the storylines was just like, eh, I'm not really feeling the storyline so much because it, it wasn't very character-driven, and I felt like what they were doing needed to be a little bit more character-driven. Then we get to issue four, and I'm almost positive it was issue four, not issue three. Issue four focused on... Um, Major Blood, and I've never been the biggest Major Blood fan. I think he's a fine character, uh, but this made me really like Major Blood and really made me care about Major Blood as a character. Um, and then we got into issues, issue five, I believe is the introduction of the Dreadnoughts. It's either five or six that we get introduced to the Dreadnoughts, and we find out what this new version of the Dreadnoughts, what their motivation is, and that ends up being a whole emotional story and it, it's really well done. And then the next issue, it's either the next issue or the issue before that was like, there was a issue where they go and they help somebody, but then there's a sacrifice that happens. And it's that one's impactful. Also, then there's issue seven, which is the issue everyone's heard about. Um, that's an issue worth reading. I don't care if you read no other issue, read that, read issue seven. You don't need to have read anything that came before it. You don't need to read anything that came after it. Issue seven can be read all by itself. Uh, it's kind of a prequel to this whole Joe, uh, series. Um, so yeah, I would, and I, and issue eight is out. I have it. I have not read issue eight yet, but I really like where everything has been going. I feel like it's, this book has found its stride and its stride is focusing on character stories. So, um, so I'm interested in this castle fall because of it. So then we have uh GI Joe real American hero volume 24 snake hunt. So collecting all of snake hunt, uh, snake eyes, dead game, number five of five. Thank God. Uh, then we have G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 277. This is the one that Brian Shearer is doing. Um, and he did the cover art, main cover art, and he did the, the art that's inside the issue. Uh, I, it's focused on Law and Order, which makes me very happy. These were, like, when I was getting near the end of G.I. Joe, Law and Order were, like, the some of the last figures and characters that I got to know and really liked a lot. So... I remember seeing Law and Order in the cartoon movie, 
really liking them and actually got the action figures. And Law and Order is one of the last action figures I got. And yeah, really, really like those characters. So, um, looking forward to seeing what Larry Hama does with them and seeing Brian Shearer's artwork, uh, which I've always liked Brian's artwork, but man, I feel like his artwork has just gotten better and better, which is how it should be. Like the more you draw stuff, the more, the, the, the better your artwork should get. Um, it's not the case with every artist because some artists find different styles that for me, that just aren't appealing, you know, not saying they haven't gotten better, but they just, their art style has got more and more appealing for me necessarily. Um, however, Brian's absolutely has, it's, I mean, just looking at the cover here, I'm just like, wow, that looks incredible. So, um, so yeah, interested in seeing where that goes. Uh, we have Transformers Back to the Future number two of four, Transformers number 25, which is War World. It starts, uh, the beginning of that. Uh, then we have Marvel Action Spider-Man, uh, which I've been getting Marvel Action Spider-Man, but this is a whole new launch of it. Uh, and in the past one, I really liked it because you had Peter Parker, you had Miles Morales, and you had Gwen Stacy, and uh, they were all, you know, they're superheroes and they all work together. And, uh, I really liked that being a, a very unique direction and unique take. This is a brand new direction. I like the animated style look that we see here. Um, looks like it could be pretty fun. Uh, then we have Marvel action Avengers off the clock, which is written by Katie cook. So Katie cook is actually not only a great artist, but she is a really great writer as well. And this is a fun little story involving Squirrel Girl and, uh, looking forward to, and, and I heard she bring, and Squirrel Girl and Captain America, and I heard she, they take on, uh, Pace Pop Pete. So it's definitely a fun little adventure story. So, um, and then let's see here. We have, uh, I wanted to mention this only just because it was funny. The trade paperback for Red Sonia Vamp and Vampirella Meet Betty and Veronica, Volume 2. The cover to it is a Back to the Future homage. They're all stepping out of the DeLorean. Um, weird, weird combination of characters, but hey, comics can be weird. So, uh, then from Boom, we have Origins, number one of six. I did get this issue. I have not read it yet. I did flip through it because I heard like the artwork's very pretty in it. I haven't heard anything about the story. Um, the artwork is pretty and not pretty at the same time. So the scenery is gorgeous. Like the whole world and everything that takes place in. And when you look at the scenery and the backdrops and everything else looks beautiful. The characters is where things are a bit wonky. So there's a main character. I don't know who she is because I haven't, like I said, I haven't read it yet, but I really like her design. I like how she's drawn and everything else, but most of the characters around her, it, it doesn't look good. Like the art of the one, the one male character that's with her, like compared to all the art. And I think it's because compared to all the other art around him, he doesn't, he, he looks so bad. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it, but he just doesn't look good, but we'll see how the story goes. Maybe I'll really like the story. And like I said, the, the scenery and everything else is, is beautiful. It's gorgeous. So, um, so we'll see. 
uh, Mighty Morphin number one, and then we also have Power Rangers number one. So they've split this title into two different books. Uh, one has the original Rangers uh, that are left coming together, take on some threats, and then you have other Rangers in Mighty Morphin. So Power Rangers is the one with the original Rangers, and then you have Mighty Morphin, which is a new team. And this introduce this has the new Green Ranger. So people are all excited about that. I'm very interested. Uh, I did get the first issue of each, each of these, but then I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with um, getting the hardcovers where I have the full thing. Uh, then we have from Abrams, we have the art of Star Wars, the Mandalorian hardcover. Very excited about that. Love art books, especially when you get to see concept art. And if you have watched the Mandalorian, they've always had these amazing like concept art pieces at the end of each episode. They're amazing. And I'm hoping that that's what's in this book. Um, I didn't read the contents right here, but, um, but yeah, I want to, I want to see those in a book and I'm, I want to have them, uh, but, uh, Mandalorian season two, I'm sure we'll talk about it in an upcoming episode of star Joe's, but yeah, I'm loving it. The, the one thing I will say, and this is not spoiling anything at all, but this season has upped its game with the quality of the show. Um, as far as the stories are really good, but as far as just visual quality, I literally feel like I'm watching a movie every single week. Um, it's at that level, like for me, at least I, I, I really feel like the film quality, the special effects and everything else. I really feel like I'm watching a movie every single week. So, uh, then from action lab, uh, we have, uh, double jumpers, trade paperbacks. So this is like a resolicit of some past stuff, but it's my buddy, Dave Duanch who did this. And this was the new Jumanji before the new Jumanji was out. Basically you have these characters that find themselves in, in the VR world that they played. And now they have to be these characters and they have to find their way home. So very much like what you've seen in the new Jumanji, except this one's a quite a bit more irreverent. Uh, it's definitely meant for, for the adult crowd. Um, but I love Dave's artwork. I love his, his stories are, like I said, they're irreverent, they're fun. Um, and like I said, this was definitely done way before the other Jumanji movie came out. So, uh, from Aftershock, I haven't talked about Aftershock in a long time, but they have some cool trades here. So there's trade of Dark Ark after the flood. I read the first few issues of Dark Ark, really liked it. I really should get this trade because I want to finish reading what I was reading there. But basically, Dark Ark is, you had Noah's Ark that was saving all of the animals. The Dark Ark was saving all the uh, evil supernatural creatures. Honestly, all of them were evil, but some of them were. Um, so you had like vampires and werewolves and manticores and things like that. It, this Ark was to save all of them. And there's a family that has the Ark and there was somebody that was uh, chosen and he has a dark past, which is why he was chosen to do this. So, and then we have a walk through hell, which is the hardcover complete collection. This is by Garth Ennis. I read the first two to three issues of this. Really liked it. It's really bizarre. I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on in a good way. Like I really just didn't, it's creepy weird. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think it's like silent hill in a way 
where you don't really know what's going on, but it's all creepy and, and, and deadly and, and everything else. And, um, so this is one that I definitely would like to get so that I can read the entire story. So, but it's, yeah, it pushes the boundaries for sure. Then we have here, uh, so here we have the year zero volume two, number one. Again, this will be something I wait till the trade comes out, but man, I love the, the first trade. That was really, really good. Um, and then we have, we do have, uh, from Chartwell books, the Batman 100 Greatest Moments hardcover. It's the gift edition. Uh, but again, it's, it's basically a reprinting of the, other one that I, that I mentioned because it's been out already. They, they're doing a new printing. So, uh, and then you have star Wars Jedi mind hardcover. So it's the philosophical tenets that inform the Jedi code are focused on peace, knowledge, serenity, and balance and are, uh, applicable, not just to just in a galaxy far, far away, but also in our own galaxy here and now. So it's basically a serenity now thing for, <laughs> for people to, in the Star Wars galaxy, a book that's coming out from the Star Wars, uh, world that I am extremely excited about. It's actually, I believe it's already out now is Star Wars from a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back hardcover. Super, super excited about this. I have the first one. I have not finished reading all the short stories in the first one, but what I've read in there absolutely loved. Um, and I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to in just a, probably a couple more years, they're going to do a return of the Jedi one, I'm sure. Um, but it focuses on events in the movies, but focused on certain characters in, so in empire strikes back, you might get, I don't know if this is the case or not, but you might get a story about the Wampa from like the Wampa's world and everything else. You might get a story about, um, trying to think, uh, will wrote, will wrote, hood, the, the ice cream man guy, you might get a story about him. Um, so it's, it's these, uh, you might get an Ugnat story. You might get, uh, one of the bounty hunters stories. Um, since they really didn't play a huge factor in that, even though there may have been other stories that were done later, they flesh those characters out. You might get a story about them because there wasn't much about them in the actual movie. Um, you might get a Imperial officer, uh, story. So it's, it's these short stories that focus on more minor characters. So I really like that. Um, and like I said, the stories I read, I was very, very impressed. Uh, we have a new printing of IMC3PO, which is the Anthony Daniels inside story. Uh, we have Marvel myths and legends, epic origins of the Marvel universe hardcover. So if you'd like to learn about the Marvel universe and don't really know anything, good hardcover out there and we have star wars the complete vehicles hardcover uh it's a new edition of it and this is where you get like the cross sections and everything else so um those are always fun to look at it, it makes it look as if like these vehicles actually exist and here's how they operate and everything then we have back to the future the ultimate visual history um hardcover so big back to the future fan this basically gives it's like a nice um coffee table book that gives you like all the all the visual histories it's it's the, like the Delray books i mean that's what it's like so um if you've never seen a Delray book uh i i'm sorry to hear that because they're actually pretty awesome 
And then let's see, we have from uh, going into Titans Comics, we have a new Doctor Who series. Um, I did pick up the first issue because I liked the cover art, and then the inside cover art I actually thought was even better than the cover art. The inside cover art. The inside art I thought was even better than the cover art. Um, but I thought, I'll just check it out. It does feature the 13th Doctor, and but then it also has the 10th Doctor, uh, which is uh, David Tennant's character, which is my favorite Doctor. So I was instantly interested to see, okay, what's going on? What brings these two doctors together? So then we do have, uh, Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, uh, which again, just like other things, they have the exclusive version, the newsstand version and the hardcover version. So it goes through the whole Skywalker saga from all nine movies. You get, highlights and interviews and all that type of stuff from star Wars insider that's put into there, which I did see that they are going to be soliciting. I'm very excited about this. They're going to be soliciting soon. Um, star Wars insider, the stories of star Wars insider. So, uh, there was fictional stories that were done that only appeared in star Wars and insider magazine. And I always thought that they should collect those and put those into uh, collection. And I think I've mentioned it before and who knows, maybe they heard me and said, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Let's do that. So if that's actually what they're doing, they're actually taking those stories and they're going to put them together in a collected edition. Uh, and it might be more than one volume. I'm not sure. I think I saw volume one, which makes me think that there's gonna be a volume two. Um, not always the case, but, but I was extremely excited to see that because I, I've never read those stories and I always wanted to, but the only way to read them before was to track down the past issues of star Wars insider to read them. Um, and I wasn't really looking to do that. So, uh, I am very, very excited that they're doing this so I can add it to my collection of stories. Uh, then we have alien, the official cookbook hardcover that cracks me the hell up. It says, uh, whether you're an alien fan or just looking for the perfect quirky appetizers, this cookbook will thrill the eyes and the taste buds. At last, it's your turn to be space's greatest apex predator. Um, Rock, I know you are a huge, uh, you're a big alien fan, Terminator fan, all that type of stuff. Uh, and I know you like to cook. Man, I think this book was made for you. <laughs> um, it's a hardcover book. It's 35 bucks, which really isn't too bad at all. Uh, there's 50 recipes in it. And they're just some funky ass looking things. Uh, I think you would have a blast with it. Um, I think anyone that's an aliens fan would, would have a blast with it. So, and then the last thing I wanted to mention in the manga area in the previous catalog is the star Wars rebel volume one manga edition. Uh, again, did not know this was out there. Uh, I heard it mentioned on comic geek speak recently when I was catching up on some, some episodes of theirs where they covered previews and they mentioned this one. I was like, wait a minute. And I completely missed it. What I normally do too, is when I'm doing uh DCBS, uh, I'll check for star Wars. Like just, I just do a search on star Wars to see what's out there. I don't know how I missed this. Um, but I'm very interested in seeing this while I'm not the biggest manga person in the world. When they do do a manga of something of a property that I like, like star Wars, I, tend to jump on that just because I like to see different interpretations of it and everything. So very interested in that. Um, and I feel like rebels kind of can lead, lend itself to 
a manga style, uh, just because of the nature of the characters and everything else. So that is everything from previews. Uh, we're going to take a very short break, uh, just to give myself a chance to stretch my legs for a few seconds. I promised that we were going to finish everything tonight and I'm going to keep that promise because all we have left is the previews catalogs for Marvel. Uh, which should be able to do relatively quickly. And then I'm going to talk about three jokers and joker war briefly, not super in depth, but I want to talk about some things in them. And then I'm going to call it a night. I'm not going to worry about the Lego catalog. We'll cover that next time. Cause I actually hope to get another one of these episodes out before either before November's over or right. I might record it at the end of November and get it out in December. Or so beginning of December. So we'll see. All right, I will be right back, guys. All right, guys, I am back, and I took a break because, number one, just a lot of talking, but also because I received a couple packages just recently from, uh, one was from my buddy John, who does a show with me, and uh, he's been kind enough to pick up a couple things for me because I'm not going out and He'll see something I like and he'll pick it up and, uh, we'll talk and everything else. But he, so he sent a couple things recently and then, uh, he threw in a little something special there that I was not expecting. Uh, he sent a little note that just said, consider this a Christmas gift or congratulations on 250th episode, whatever, you know, maybe all of that together. He's like, also thanks for helping me keep my sanity by, uh, getting me into toy hunting, you know, toy hunting again. And, uh, what he sent me was one of the black series, star Wars Christmas figures, which is, uh, he had been showing me how he was picking some up for, for, uh, one of our friends, JP who's out there. And he, um, was trying to get all the different versions and everything else. And I remember when we were talking about it, I says, yeah, I'm not really interested in all the different versions. The only one that I really liked was the one where, it looks where he's dressed like Santa, where it's a trooper that's dressed like Santa. And then there's the Dio uh, figure that comes with that. That is, looks like uh, Rudolph. And, uh, John remembered that I mentioned that and he found one and sent it along with that very nice note, uh, along with a HR social hour, uh, bottle opener that he, he had made a bunch, had a bunch of those made, for giveaways and stuff like that. And it's really cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, definitely check out HR. So flower, even if you're not an HR person, I, I do find his show entertaining. I don't get to listen to a lot of episodes, but every once in a while I do check in to kind of see what they're talking about and everything else. And, uh, it is still entertaining and, and interesting to listen to. So that was really a nice surprise. So I wanted to mention it on the show cause, um, and say thank you, John, before I even text him to say thank you. Cause, that was a, a really nice surprise, uh, to receive that. So I appreciate that. And then I had another crazy surprise, uh, from a listener. And I was going to wait to mention this, uh, on until a regular episode, but I, I've been, I'm so taken aback by what he sent that I have to mention it right away. So, uh, Brad, who, uh, is a longtime listener and he, uh, he has a Instagram account called, uh, bouncy bangle 
and he does toy photos and everything else. And they're a lot of fun. You should, if you're on Instagram, you should check them out. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like as far as bouncy bangle. It's B O U N C Y, uh, B E N G A L. Uh, you can find him, uh, and they say he takes really fun toy photos and it's worth checking out and everything. Uh, but he was clearing out some inventory that he had and I reached out to him and said, Hey, uh, I'd be interested in these couple figures. They were, they were relatively inexpensive and, uh, they were something I could put on that would add to a display that I'm doing for master universe stuff. And, uh, he says, he's like, all right. He says, yeah. And he says, you know what? Don't worry about the shipping. He says, I'll take care of that. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, don't even worry about it. Um, and he says, you know, I've got some, he says, do you have, he sent me a message. Do you have this? And it's like the Playmobil Ghostbusters figures. That was the full set of them. And I was like, no, I don't have those. I, I haven't really gotten into the Playmobil. And he's like, I'm sending these to you just as a thank you for doing all the shows, shows that you've done in many years of uh, entertainment. And I was like, oh, you really don't have to do that. And he's like, no, no, I, I want to. Um, he says, you've given me hours of free entertainment. He says, I'm, I, I, this is something I want to do. And I was, and I was like, well, at least let me pay for the shipping. Then. <laughs> and he wouldn't take no, you know, he wouldn't take no for an answer or I, whatever he, he insisted. So super nice of him. So all of a sudden on my front step today, there's a large box, like a large box. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell this is. And I didn't recognize the return address. And, uh, and I was just like, I don't, I have no clue. So, um, I opened it up and looked inside and there was an envelope there. And here is a letter from Brad. And as I go, th and I didn't get a chance to go through all the stuff that was in there and everything else, but it was like, here, there's basically a bunch of stuff in here, uh, that he sends. And like, this box is huge. It's this huge, huge box. I'm like, what the hell did he send? Um, cause I was only expecting these two little small massive universe figures and the Ghostbusters figures. And here he remembers me talking about the Fisher price adventure teams, adventure people and everything else on the show. And he must've had a bunch of them and just sent them all to me. Like it's unreal how much stuff was sent. Like I'm going to have to take a picture and post it on this, in the Facebook group or something to show you guys. But it's just like, I'm blown away. Like I don't there, I don't have the words to describe. Like it's beyond generous. It's beyond anything I would, I would ever expect. I don't expect anything. Like I, I do the show because I love doing it and I love interacting with, with you guys and everything else. I don't expect anything in return other than hopefully some, some people interact and we have fun talking about stuff. Um, I, I was absolutely blown away. Um, like there's, and there's so many pieces from that. I remember from my childhood, like there is just this huge wave of nostalgia as I'm like unwrapping each one of these, that's like in newspaper and stuff. I'm just like opening it up going, Oh my God, I remember this. And I remember that. And then there was stuff beyond what I even had as a kid. I had, had a lot of them, but I didn't like, this was like, two, three times more than what I had as a kid, but there's like the Fisher price helicopter, the Fisher price submarine. Um, I had both of those as a kid. There was a, uh, 
and I remember with the submarine actually taking that in the pool and everything. Uh, there's the Fisher Price Jeep there in both versions of the Jeep, the yellow Jeep and the orange Jeep. I remember I had the orange Jeep as a kid. I may have had the yellow one too, but I, I definitely remember the orange one. Uh, there's the, uh, a pontoon type boat. Um, there's these two big, like big van type vehicles that I, I remember seeing, but I never owned them. There's like a kayak on top of one of them. There's a motorbike inside one of them. Um, and like just all of these things, like I said, that some of them that I absolutely remember and absolutely loved having. And then some of these, I was just like, I've never, I, I never owned this, but man, I, it's just huge wave of nostalgia for a ton of figures. Um, absolutely cannot thank you enough, Brad. That was completely unnecessary, but completely appreciated. Um, it's just, it blows my mind. Like I am so overwhelmed right now and I just wanted to try to vocalize it as best as I could on an episode because it deserves to be vocalized. So, um, yeah, just, I'm just blown away. Like I said, I'm going to have to post some photos and stuff like that. So you guys can see some of these things that were sent. Um, and, uh, like I said, they just take me back to my childhood, like ton of the figures with them too. So it wasn't just like just the vehicles, like ton of figures with them as well. So, uh, I'm going to have to find a good spot somewhere. Uh, that, that'll be the new challenge, Brad, is for me to find a spot in my collection. Cause I do want to display these guys. Um, and at least some of them, uh, have them on a nice display. Um, and, uh, just cause again, they take, they take me back to a, a much simpler time. Cause obviously I was pretty young when I had those, but man, uh, just, whew. and like I said, it was this huge box. I'm just like, what the, what did he send? <laughs> uh, was not expecting that totally blew me away. Um, so he also sent with it a letter, uh, which was his mail in ballot for the 250th firing range. So, uh, absolutely deserve, he absolutely deserves me reading these and I'm going to do it right now rather than even waiting another episode. I thought, well, I'll, I'll wait till I have a regular episode with the guys and everything else, but I'm, I'm just going to read it now. So, uh, so he started with number zero, uh, Warzy or Trekkie, he said. So he said Warzy. So good. We'll, we can continue with the letter then, Brad, uh, since you picked Star Wars. Uh, for question number one, Empire, Rebellion, Old Republic, or First Order, he said Rebellion. Uh, for number two, Joe, Cobra, Dreadnoughts, or, or October Guard, he said Arashikagi. Very nice. I like that. Uh, Blueberry or Chocolate Chip? Blueberry. Uh, you're losing me, Brad. <laughs> uh, He-Man or Skeletor, he says Alan Oppenheimer. Uh, so that version of Skeletor. Um, Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow, he said Storm Shadow. Uh Anakin, Luke, or Ray, he said Leia. Very nice. Uh, Lionel or Mumra, he said Thundercats. Ha ha. <laughs> um, Masters or Thundercats, he said Masters. Uh, torpedo or Wetsuit, he said Hey. So I'm assuming Torpedo. Uh, his favorite animated series of all time, he said Gummy Bears uh, or Adventure Time. Uh, Lady J or Scarlet, he said uh, Sunbow Lady J. I am right there with you. That is... That's my favorite version of Lady J, which by the way of this recording, they just released Flint and Lady J of the classified series. 
I really like both figures. I think they both look awesome, and I'm super, super happy because I was hoping that they would do two different heads for Lady J, one with the, with the baseball cap and one without the baseball cap. They actually did it where the baseball cap is removable. So I love that because then I don't have to put the baseball cap on her and I don't have to store a head someplace. I just got a cap to store someplace and that's totally fine with me. So, um, but I think both figures look phenomenal. Uh, Boba Fett or Din Djarin, uh, he said Sabine Starbird Wren. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, favorite toy of all time. He had Stinkor with the real skunk smell. Nice. Marvel or DC. He said Marvel. Favorite 1980s band. He said Guns N' Roses or Violent Femmes. I'm with Young Gun and Roses, Violent Femmes. I know that's a favorite of a lot of people. I've never been a Violent Femmes fan. Uh, Blister in the Sun is, it makes me cringe. My college friends tease me by playing it because they knew, like, he, he doesn't sing with the words, with the music. Like, the words don't match up with the music. It's, it's very dissonant. And, and I know that's probably what they're going for, but it's just, yeah, not my style. But Guns N' Roses is right there with you. Fast favorite fast food chain. He said Burger King. Uh, good stuff. I've had Burger King not that long ago, and it's, it's a lot better than I remember it being. So, which is a good thing. Uh, X Wing or Tie Fighter. He said Y Wing. That's a cool, unique one. Uh, favorite Cobra Trooper type. He said blue shirts. Okay. Uh, favorite Joe or Cobra vehicle. He said the Stinger Jeep. That is a really cool vehicle. Um, I actually like the Stinger over the Vamp. Like the Vamp is really cool. But yeah, there's just something with the stinger. It's got the, the doors and the missile rack and everything. It's very cool. Um, R2 or 3PO. He said C1, uh, 10P. So I don't know who C1 10P is, but I will have to look that character up. Um, uh, favorite Star Wars trooper. He said Snow Trooper. That's a, that's a good solid one there. Favorite comic book character. He said Oliver Queen. Okay. Very nice. Green Arrow fan there. Uh, hamburger or hot dog? He said bacon double cheeseburger. You are a guy after my own heart right there. Uh, that is definitely uh, a good burger right there. Uh, is Chewbacca a sidekick? He put no in big, bold letters. Uh, Duke or Flint? He said hawk. Uh, we've, we have had people give that as an answer before when you're looking at the G.I. Joe leadership there. So uh, He says he's Brad from Central uh, New York. Been listening since 2011 with episode 18. So like I said, he, he's a longtime listener. I knew that much. Um, three favorite Star Joe's uh, properties are Masters of the Universe, Star Wars, and G.I. Joe. Those are three very solid, awesome ones. Uh, future episode wish is a G.I. Joe character draft, uh, fantasy draft. So uh, I assume, Brad, what, what you mean is like, we'll get some guys on the show and... We do, you know, we'll do a randomizer type thing where you pick order and it'll be like a round robin where you, you pick order and then you go backwards in that order, like kind of snake it basically. Um, and then you end up with a team. And I was thinking about that and I was like, that's a really cool idea. And we could talk about, we could even talk about like why we picked that particular character. Um, and like you'll have to have alternates because in case somebody picks the one of the, the quote unquote players that you wanted to have. Um, and I'm wondering if we should do it as like Joe and Cobra all mixed together, or if we should do a Joe one and then do a Cobra one. Um, but I think it might be more fun if we just mix everything together. It's a lot more characters, unfortunately. So it's like, 
a lot less stealing of of what some who somebody else wanted, but it, I think that would still happen. Um, and then I was thinking what we could do afterwards is then leave it up to the listeners to decide who had ended up with the better team, like who ended up with the better fantasy team. Um, I think that could be really cool and a lot of fun. So I know we've also talked about who's the quote unquote, most powerful Joe, uh, character, um, like we do with the superheroes. Uh, and I think like, I think we'd go with like, who's the best of all of them. So, I still have that planned as something that we can do at some point. Uh, and I have different ideas for like different categories and everything else. Cause like for the superpowers, like who's the strongest, who's, who's the, um, indestructible. Like there was all these different categories. Um, I have ideas of, of what those categories could be for Joe. So, um, so yeah, I like that idea. I definitely would like to do the fantasy draft. I think that would be very cool. So, uh, thank you for the letter. I'm going to hold on to this so that I remember the fantasy draft and, and just hold on to it because it was a cool thing to receive. And, uh, again, mind completely blown on, uh, the Fisher Price adventure people. Like it's just, like I said, so much nostalgia that just overwhelmed me. And then to have so many things beyond what I even had as a kid just was, mind blowing and the fact that you would send that was just like I I I don't have the words and this is a podcast so I have to talk but <laughs> um but yeah I cannot thank you enough that was just completely blew me away so uh thank you thank you thank you thank you so all right got to get through these marvel catalogs so this way I can go to bed cuz it's a late night now um it's almost 1 in the morning so See if we can do this within the next hour-ish. So, first thing we have is the catalog for August uh, for stuff coming out in November. Uh, and we have uh, Cross of Swords, Stasis, number one. Uh, we have a whole bunch of Cross of Swords or X of Swords or Ten of Swords. I don't know what the proper terminology is. I've been calling it Cross of Swords because I felt like it's another... It's another play off of the X, like they did Powers of Ten. It was House of X, Powers of Ten, even though it says Powers of X, it was playing off of that. So I was like, I feel like this is playing off of um, another play off of the letter X and what it could symbolize. So i just been calling it Cross of Swords, but it's probably X of Swords or um, Ten of Swords or something like that. But... Um, so this has part three, part four, part five, part six, part seven, part eight. And if you don't know, the, this whole story arc is crossing over into every single X-Men title. Um, and I'm going to be reading all of it. I'm not caught up enough to, to be reading this, but I am going to be reading all of it. Uh, and I'm very excited to do so. Uh, they also had uh, some timeless comic covers, which, if you don't know what the timeless comic covers are, Alex Ross, who is an amazing artist, did these iconic images as variant covers for a lot of the Marvel comics this for this particular month. Um, and one of them was actually Cyclops, which my favorite Marvel character. So um, Chuck, I know, got a full set of all the timeless ones. I got certain ones that I really liked. So um, mostly X-Men... Avengers care, main Avengers characters and, um, Spider-Man and 
the Fantastic Four. So those are the ones I was interested in. I didn't get like Inhumans characters. I didn't get some of the spinoff Avengers characters, but I did get some of like the main Avengers characters, so, like Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Black Widow, Black Panther. Like those were the ones that I got. Um, and then uh, there was, like I said, Stasis was part eleven, which so middle of middle of it, um, and it's actually Cross of Swords or X of Swords is wrapping up actually this coming week as of me recording this. Like the last three issues are coming out this week. So then we have Amazing Spider-Man number fifty. Uh, this is the start of Last Remains. Uh, Green Goblin's back, and we get, uh, I believe his name is Sin Eater. Uh, we finally get, like, him involved, uh, in the whole story. I don't know if it's Sin Eater or Kindred, or it's the, it's the bad guy that's been hiding in the shadows all along in the Spider-Man titles. Uh, we have Spider-Woman, one, uh, number five, which is actually the hundredth issue of Spider-Woman. So when you take all of the spider, actual Spider-Woman issues that have been out, this is the hundredth issue. So, um, and that's a title I've read the first three issues of and have really liked it. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we have Warhammer 40,000, Marnius Calgar, number one of five. So if you like Warhammer, this might be something that interests you. I've never played Warhammer. Uh, I don't really know much about it. Like if you're someone that knows a lot about Warhammer, I'd really be interested to hear like, what, what is the deal with it? Like, what is it? I know it's a, um, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a, like a tabletop type game. Um, but I've never really delved in, in, into it to know. Um, then we have Black Widow Widow's Sting. It's a one shot. Uh, and I did pick this up. I have read it. It's, it's a fun Black Widow story. Like it's, um, it relies heavily on her Widow's Sting. Like she uses it a lot. I know that's in the title, but it's just like, Okay, and take this out with the widow sting. Okay, I'm gonna take this out with the widow sting. Okay, I gotta do this with the widow sting. So it was, it was a little overuse of actually verbalizing the widow sting being used. Um, but it was, it was just, it was just a fun Black Widow story. Like if it was something that was going beyond just a one issue, I'd have been like, eh. But it's a one shot, um, and it's obviously capitalizing on the whole um, Black Widow movie, whenever the hell that's coming out. Um, I was asked today by my supervisor, I had a one-on-one meeting with him and he asked me, would you uh, be in favor of movies just going right to streaming rather than going into theaters or going back into theaters? And I said, once things calm down and uh, we have the vaccine and it's, it seems like it's safe to be going out again. Um, I want theaters to open back up. And I, and I'll feel comfortable going to theaters and I'll still go for the things I always went for, which is I go for like a lot of the, the bigger movies. So I go for the superhero movies that I love. I go for the star Wars movies that I love. And then I go for like the really big epic movies. So like the Lord of the Rings movies, I went to the theater for the Hobbit movies. I went to the theater for stuff like that, where it's larger than life stuff. I typically don't go to the movie theaters to watch comedies because if it's funny on the big screen, it's going to be funny on the little screen. I just don't feel like I need to be in the theater to see them. That's just me. Um, but I've gone to see like some inspirational, like real life stories with my wife because she likes those and she almost never goes to the movie theater. So 
those are, you know, those are nice to take, to take her out on a date and go see those. We saw like hidden figures that way. Um, we, there was a couple other ones that we saw that were like that. Um, and then we both like animated movies. So it's not often that she wants to go to the theater at all, but we, we have gone to see some animated movies that way, um, which are to me are kind of larger than life. Anyways, it's kind of more fun to see them on the big screen before seeing them on your TV. Um, but I did tell him that while all this stuff is going on with the pandemic, I have absolutely no problem with these movies being released on streaming so that you can watch them that way. We did get the new Bill and Ted movie that way. My wife and I watched it. I'm tempted to do HBO max for a month because that's kind of what a movie ticket would cost just so I can see the wonder woman movie. Cause the wonder woman movie, uh, wonder woman, 1984 was announced that it would be, uh, available in theaters and streaming on HBO max on December 25th. So I was like, and I think HBO max is like $15 and that's kind of like, if I was going to go see the movie on the big screen, um, like an IMAX or something like that, I'd be paying like $20 for that. So, you know, and I can have HBO max for a month then, and I can cancel it and I can see the Wonder Woman movie. So I'm kind of tempted to do that. Um, financially, it make it's a very sound decision, but I, like I was saying to him, like, I would love it if they just made that available, um, for right now. Now, once everything seems like it's okay again, uh, and I feel more secure and being able to go out into the world. Then I told him what I would like is I would like to see where a movie is in the theaters and maybe after two months of it being in the theaters or after it's first released in the theaters after two months, then make it available for streaming. There's really no reason to not do that. It makes perfect sense to do that. Um, because most movies don't last in the theater beyond two months anyways. Like even really good movies, uh, really popular movies after two months, they're pretty much out of the theaters for the most part. Um, unless it's something crazy, you know, going on, uh, where it's just keep selling tickets and keep selling tickets. So I would say after two months of the initial release, make it available on streaming, uh, where you can purchase it. Not, I'm not saying just make it available. Um, but like make it available for purchase after two months of, of its release. Um, so people can watch it at home if they want to, and, and they can purchase it that way. And then maybe six months after the release or eight months after the release, or if you want to wait a year, I would say like six to eight months after that, um, you could then make it available for whatever streaming service it could go to, whether it's Netflix or Disney plus or HBO max or whatever. Um, yeah, maybe eight months, maybe a year. So this way people that really wanted to see it would still pay for it. Um, but that, that's just my thought when it comes to that. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think when it comes to streaming services and everything else. Cause I know there's people that would rather just watch the movie at home. Like the reason my boss mentioned it to me, he says, I know that you like to go to the movies you you'll go to the movies by yourself. And it's not necessarily that I like to go to the movies by myself, but I often go to the movies by myself because <clears throat> when I decide to go, it's very last minute. I don't really plan for it in advance. Um, unless it's star Wars and I'm going opening night. 
Um, and I'm not really there to socialize anyways. Like it's really cool to have someone to talk to about the movie after it's over. But a lot of times I ended up texting my friends and, you know, that I know saw it or just tell them, you know, what I thought of it or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's fun to go see a movie socially, but I'm perfectly comfortable going and seeing it by myself. But he was just like, if you could just sit at home and watch it rather than go in the movie theater by yourself and watching it, would you do that? And I'm like, no, depending on the movie, I'd still go to the movie theater. Like the Star Wars, the superhero movies, those things I would still go to the movie theater just to see it at least the one time. Um, then we've got, let's see here. We do have Null is coming. We have Web of Venom, Empire's End. So I did get the Empire, Web of Venom, Empire's End because it was, it was a, uh, epilogue type story. It's setting things up for Null, which isn't the whole Ven Venom symbiote type stuff. Um, that's going to be this huge crossover in Marvel, but it is also like a, it's, this story spins out of Empire, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll read that. Um, I will tell you that I, like, there's this big splash page of King, the King in Black. It's this whole null storyline. Uh, I am actually not planning on getting this at all. I'm going to read it digitally when it comes out. Um, I just decided, you know what, that's what I'm going to do with an event like this. Um, at least this particular event. I don't know about all events, but probably a lot of them. I think what I'll do is I'll just read them digitally other than the titles that I already get. Um, and then if I like what I'm reading, usually halfway through it or near the end of it, uh, is when a solicitation comes out for like a hardcover edition, collected edition. And then I'm like, if I really liked it, then yeah, I'll order the collected edition and, and then I'll have it. So, uh, champions number one of five. Uh, I'm sad to see this is only a mini series. I'm hoping it continues. Uh, I did read the first issue of champions. Uh, I'm in the middle of the second issue. Um, and it's good. It, I still love champions. I think, um, the story on this is, is very cliched because it's basically the superhero registration act, but for kids, uh, that something bad happened where a teen hero lost control of their powers. People got hurt. And then also they want them all to be signed up and trained. Um, sounds very, and then you have a band of them, which are the champions that are trying to fight back and against that. It sounds very, very civil war just on a much smaller scale. Um, so the story sounds very cliched. The art is good. Uh, there's some things that the artist does, like when the character has a visor, you can see across their eyes, you can see one of their eyes through the visor and, and it's done consistently. So it wasn't just like a one panel thing where they're going for an effect. It's like, it's always done that way. That's weird. Um, and it throws me off a little bit when I'm reading it. Uh, but overall the art's good. Uh, I still really like what they're doing with the characters. The characterizations of the characters are really good. It's just a very already done type story. That's all. So, uh, then we have the official handbook of the Conan universe anniversary edition. That's pretty cool. It's coming out if you're a Conan fan, which I will say, um, two things when it comes to digital that I was very disappointed about, um, but I know it's just the deals aren't there right now 
is that on the Marvel Unlimited, and this is why I say almost everything is on Marvel Unlimited, is uh, when it comes to the new stuff, is Conan is not there and Savage Avengers is not there. And Savage Avengers is not there because Conan's on the team. Evidently, they don't have, Marvel doesn't have the rights or hasn't has not negotiated the rights yet to be able to print the Conan issues that they're making or even, or past Conan issues even, um, like I said, current day or old stuff, uh, digitally. They're just not allowed to put it out there. Um, so that's why Savage Avengers isn't on there, which I was very disappointed because I remember reading the first issue of Savage Avengers and really liking it and wanted to read more of it. Um, since they're still continuing that series and it's not there, you can't read it. Um, you can't even purchase it to read it. Like it's not even available for purchase to read. Uh, maybe it is on Comixology. I'm not sure. Um, but I didn't want it that badly. If I wanted it that badly, I would have bought the issues as they were coming out. But I was disappointed because I was like, oh, I can get, you know, keep reading Conan because I liked what I was reading. I just didn't like it enough to keep buying it. And, um, where I felt like I needed to own it. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately right now can't read any Conan on Marvel Unlimited. So that's disappointing. But, um, hopefully they work something out eventually. Uh, we have Star Wars number seven, uh, Darth Vader number six, uh, Star Wars. And I will say for Star Wars and Darth Vader, I have not read any of the new series yet because I still need to finish Dr. Afra so that I can then read Ascendant. I know I've said that multiple times on these episodes. I really need to get my button gear on Dr. Afra. I, it's been tough though because I once, I think it was Nick Spencer took over. I think it's Spencer. Might be Spurrier, but it, I can't remember. I think it, maybe it's Simon Spurrier. Anyways, when the next person took over, the stories haven't been that tight and haven't been, um, there's been parts of it that I really like and then there's parts of it where I'm like, eh, you're pushing some issues here. Um, so it's made it tough for me to, okay, I'm going to jump in and read the next three, four issues. Like it's just been tougher to do that. So, um, but I need to, because I really, really want to read and get caught up on star Wars. Star Wars is usually a title I'm always caught up on and I'm just very much not. So, uh, star Wars bounty hunters, number six, I am behind on that. Like I said, just star Wars in general, I'm behind on right now. Cause I need to get caught up on Dr. Afra. I'm like not letting myself read any other star Wars other than the star Wars adventures from IDW. Um, I haven't been allowing myself to read anything Marvel Star Wars until I finish reading Dr. Afra, which Dr. Afra is on number issue number five of her new series. So, uh, then we have amazing Spider-Man omnibus volume two hardcover. I was so thrilled to see this because this was the volume that I didn't have. I had volumes one, three, and I think number four recently came out. Maybe not, maybe I'm wrong, but I had one in three and I didn't have volume two and I don't know why I didn't get volume two. I don't remember why I didn't get volume two. And I remember my buddy, Travis, uncle Teabag, who we've had on the show before. He said, they typically do reprints of these. If you wait long enough, the big ones. So like they haven't done tomb of Dracula again. They haven't done werewolf by night again. I do have the werewolf by night one, but I always wanted to get the tomb of Dracula ones, but they're super expensive. I don't know if they'll ever reprint those, but he's like, typically like Marvel, uh, the Spider-Man ones, the X-Men ones and the Avengers ones. He says they typically will reprint them, uh, if given enough time, like, uh, and he says it's been a while since those have been solicited. So it'll probably come out again. He was absolutely right. 
uh, new printing came out of volume two. Super excited, super happy to have it. I don't care if it's not the first printing of it. I, that's not what I'm, I want the nice big hardcover omnibus collection of these stories so I can go back and read them and, and just good Spider-Man, Spider-Man goodness. So, um, Uncanny X-Men, speaking of omnibus editions, Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 4. Uh, this is really getting into some good issues, I mean, some later issues. We have, it's issues 176 through 193, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, 1 through 6, uh, X-Men Alpha Flight, 1 and 2, and material from Marvel Fanfare. So, uh, you also have, uh, the X-Men Annual, number 8. So, we're starting to get into the, the, uh, uh, later issues, which is really cool. I, and I hope they just keep going. I know it's a lot tougher as they go because then there's more titles that came out. There's more crossovers and everything else, but man, I would just love it if they just kept going with uncanny X-Men and just keep going through and just keep telling these stories. Um, love the fact that they have continued with this with a volume four. Very, very, very happy about that. Um, and then speaking of things I'm happy about, I really do like these Marvel Select titles that they've been doing. It's nice hardcover editions. They're only 25 bucks. And when you pre-order like through DCB service, something like that, you're getting these things for like $12, $13. And it's a hardcover edition that takes a story of a character, just a, a chunk story of a character um, that's seen as being like a classic story. Some of them are modern day. Some of them are a bit older, so they've done like Craven's Last Hunt, which is awesome. They did the new Venom series by Donny Cates with issues one through six. That's awesome. This one is Black Panther. Who is the Black Panther? And it's Black Panther from 2005, issues one through six, and Fantastic Four issues 52 through 53. That's really cool. I really like that. Um, the disappointing thing is like, if you're looking to get these because you're hoping it'll continue, like they did the Venom ones, issues one through six, and you were hoping that they'll then do another one, issue seven through whatever, that's not what these are for. These are for a, a story arc. You're getting a story arc that they consider is a, a certain, you know, they're called select. So it's a select story arc that they think is important. It's, they think it's something really worth reading and they put it out there. It's an awesome hardcover with awesome stuff in it. it. I think there's variant covers are shown in the back and everything. Um, I really like them. I'm not necessarily getting all of them, but I'm definitely like, I got Craven's Last Hunt. I do want to get this Black Panther one. I got the Venom one. Um, I think they did a Deadpool one. Um, so some really good stuff at a very good price. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, some good prices and everything else. That is something that uh, I think is a really, really great price. Um, Star Wars Volume 1, The Destiny Path, that's trade paperback. That's of the new uh, series that just came out recently. Uh, some more collected editions. We have Bounty Hunters, uh, Volume 1, Galaxy's Deadliest. Uh, and I think this has turned into an ongoing series, which is really, really cool. So uh, I'm happy about that. And then you have Darth Vader, Volume 1, uh, Dark Heart of the Sith, trade paperback. Uh, then you have Star Wars from the Journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, trade paperback. This is, they told various stories in the main Star Wars, the Star Wars series that came before the current one that's out, 
and it was journal, uh, journal entries from Obi-Wan Kenobi, and uh, this one collects those stories if you want to read just those, so that, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then Oz, the Complete Collection, Road to Emerald City, graphic novel trade paperback. So again, if you're looking to get the uh, Baum and Shanauer and Scotty Young Wizard of Oz uh, stuff that they did in a trade paperback version, that is there for you. So uh, I really like it. I have the hardcover editions, and they're really, really cool. Now going into uh, the September previews. The first this is for stuff that's coming out in November, so the month that we're currently in. Uh, shocker, I'm finally getting into stuff that's coming out this month. <laughs> still still got to get into the previews catalogs where it's talking about stuff that isn't coming out yet or is going to be coming out later. Um so first in this we have Wolverine Black, White, and Blood. This reminds me very much of the Batman Black and White stories where uh, it seems like that's what they're doing here is they're telling, it's an anthology of like stories of Wolverine. Looks like they're way more violent than uh, hence the blood. Um, I'm actually interested in reading this just because I, I like the Black and White Batman stories. I think Wolverine lends himself to those types of stories. I'm not uh, where it's just like sh short stories that are done, done in that art style. I'm not the biggest Wolverine fan. Like, I like Wolverine a lot. I just have always liked him better as part of a team. I think his dynamic works better that way. But I have also read some in solo Wolverine stories that I think are phenomenal. So, um, so what do I know? Uh, then we have part 12, 13... Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22, which is the end of X of Swords. Uh, that's what I was counting up to was, uh, so it's a 20, this is a 22, uh, issue arc, and it's actually even bigger than that because some of the issues are multi, are, are larger than normal pages. Like this last issue, uh, X of Swords Destruction is a 48 page issue. So, uh, definitely a big story going on here. I unfortunately won't be caught up to be able to read all of it before it's just all done, but it is what it is. So, uh, I'm looking forward to reading it once I can. Then we have Eternals number one. Um, I have never been, I've never really known much about the Eternals. Like, they're, that's a, a blank spot in my Marvel knowledge. Uh, I don't really know who the hell the Eternals are. I don't really know much about the characters. This is done by Kieran Gillen and drawn by the arts by Asad Ribic. So good writer, good artist. Um, I looked at the preview pages. It looks good. Um, it's something that because it, it never has appealed to me as uh, to even really learn about these characters. It's not something that I'm going to pick up the issues to, but it is something that I'm going to read when it comes on Marvel Unlimited. Like, I, I really do want to see who these characters are and what they are and everything else. So, um, for the month of November, they're doing these Native American Heritage Tribute covers. I think uh, they're pretty cool. Like, uh, again, this is kind of what I was talking about before, where, like, if something is part of a person's culture or of a group's culture or something like that, that's very interesting to me. Like, um, so I do find that interesting. So seeing this artwork done, like 
these characters done in this type of artwork, I think, is pretty cool. Like, I especially love the Danny Moonstar one. The Black Panther one looks really cool. Iron Man one looks really, really cool. Um, the Thor one, I really like that one. Captain America one's pretty neat, too. Um, the Hulk one's eh. The Spider-Man one's eh. And the Black Widow one's eh. Um, but some of these other ones, I, I, they really do stand out. Um, speaking of in Native American, indigenous people, however, whatever the proper term is nowadays, um, they're doing Marvel voices, indigenous voices. So again, not to go on another, uh, whole tangent speech, but again, it's like, I like these characters. I did pick up this issue because I really like Danny Moonstar as a character, so I'm really interested in reading the story that has her in it. Um, she is probably my second... She's my second favorite X-Men character, for sure. Like, Kitty Pride's my number one favorite uh, female character in X-Men, and I think Danny Moonstar's probably my second favorite female X-Men character. Um... I can't think, like, I love Jean Grey, but I actually like Danny Moonstar more than Jean Grey. I like her more than Storm. Yeah, I, I'd have to probably say Danny Moonstar is probably my second favorite X-Men char- female X-Men character after uh, Shadowcat, Kitty Pride. So, um, but yeah, so this is, again, one of those things where I feel like you're taking stories about really cool characters, and then you're... Um, the, but you're making it about what they are and not who they are. But the stories might still be about who they are. Like I did, I have started reading this and I read, um, the watcher opening, which was interesting, but then it was just like, here's all who, all these, here's all the native American, not all of them, but like all the probably heroic native American indigenous people, characters in the Marvel universe. Uh, here's who they are. Uh, which I think that would have been better served to be something in the back, like as like just a reference thing in the back of like, here's a bunch of characters and everything else. It felt clunky being part of the story. Uh, but then I read the echo story, which, uh, I really liked. Uh, I haven't read anything past that. So I, I am looking forward to reading some of the other ones. I just don't feel like, again, it's the, do you separate these characters out? And then, and to me, it's almost, it's not really, but it's almost like segregating. Like it's like because you kind of are. That's what you're doing. You're like, here's these here's these minority characters. Let's segregate them out. I'm curious because they've done the voices one, the regular voices one, which I haven't read yet. I need to look on Marvel Unlimited to see if that one's on there because I do want to read it because I like some of the characters in there. I want to read their stories. But like, did you separate these characters out to tell stories of them being uh, Native American? Because the Echo story didn't really feel like that was the case, um, necessarily. Or is it just because this is what they are, so that's why we're putting them separate and telling stories separately? And I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to draw attention to these minority characters that deserve spotlights and maybe have never gotten a spotlight before. But then just tell a good spotlight story with them. Like, I don't know. It's... um, like Miles Morales, you know, in the regular Marvel voices, Miles Morales has his own title. He, you can tell great stories with him there. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be in other titles. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be in an anthology. But it's like, do you, again, it's like, do you segregate out characters 
to do that? Or do you just put together an anthology thing and and have these characters be part of that anthology? And it's just, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I'm mixed because like, I do want to read stories about these characters, but I don't need it to be like that. You're trying to get preachy and deliver a message to me, but maybe some people need that message to be delivered that way. I don't know. And, and maybe issues like this make some people very happy. And if it does, then I need to shut my mouth because I want people to enjoy comics and I want people to be happy about reading comics. So I don't know. Uh, at least I did pick this up because I was like, Dane Moonstar's on the cover. In fact, I got a cover that has her as the central character. So I got one of the variant covers that I really liked with her on it. Uh, I do want to look up, like I said, the Marvel Voices one that has the um, African-American characters. I think it's all African-American characters. So I'm curious, are they going to do... Uh, Marvel Voices Latino characters, Marvel Voices Asian characters. Um, I'm just curious how they will go about doing those if they do those. So, um, and when I say how they're going to go about it, I mean, like, how are they going to um, title it? Like, do they title Latino characters? Do they title it Asian characters? I don't know. So, um, then we have U.S. Agent number one of five. Uh, I did read the first issue of this. Uh, I heard some people just absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was okay. It's not bad. It's not, it's not great. Um, it's very, it's got some very tongue in cheek type moments. I do like it. It's not that I don't like it. I did like it. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I'm not needing to get the whole mini series. Uh, physically, I, I, fine with waiting digitally for the rest of it to, to read it. So, um, but I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, just like I said, not, I didn't like it as much as some people liked it. So, uh, but Hey, different tastes for everybody. Uh, Widowmakers, Red Guardian and Yelena Belova. Uh, this is a one shot. I am interested in reading this, especially with it being a one shot. Again, I feel like it's one of those titles where it's like, I'm, I'm perfectly fine reading. This as a one shot. I don't need a whole mini series. Obviously, it's coming out because of the Black Widow movie. Uh, speaking of which, Taskmaster, number one of five. I heard the first issue was actually really good. Um, but, again, for me, I don't need five-issue miniseries of Taskmaster. Will I read it on Marvel Unlimited? Probably, because I like the character. Um, I'll at least give the first issue a try. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't need... Just like Juggernaut. I heard the Juggernaut miniseries is really good. But I, I don't... I don't need to read the, I don't need, I don't need to read all of it. <laughs> I don't need to, I don't, I'm juggernauts that not a big pull for me, not a big draw for me. So, um, but Hey, would I read the first issue to see if I would want to read more? Yeah, I probably would. But like I said, I'm, I'm more on unlimited since it's available. Avengers Marvel snapshot. I really liked the Captain America one, uh, that I read. I really loved Cyclops one. It was the X-Men one. It was Avengers. Uh, it was, um, X-Men Marvel snapshots. That was a hundred percent focused on Cyclops. If you ever wanted to know why I like Cyclops as a character, why he's my favorite Marvel character, you should read the X-Men Marvel snapshots issue. It's hundred percent focused on Cyclops. It's hundred percent the Cyclops character that I love and grew up loving and everything else. It's a fantastic story. It shows a lot of origins of why he became a good strategist and, and everything. So uh, so I'm really hoping that I'll get something cool with this. 
I did like the variant cover on this because it reminds me of old classic stories, uh, that classic covers that we would see. So yeah, I, I'm interested in the, the snapshot issue. Uh, power pack number one of five, this classic power pack. Uh, one again, I'll probably read it on Marvel Unlimited, but I do like the power pack team. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do with that. Uh, here's more King, uh, King and King in Black is, uh, some tie-ins are starting up and the main series I think is going to be starting up, uh, in here, like a lot of the Venom stuff is getting prepared for it. Um, so yeah, so getting ready for that. Then we got Star Wars number eight, Darth Vader number seven, Bounty Hunters number seven, Dr. Aphra number six, uh, Conan. The original Marvel Years Omnibus Volume 5. They're up to Volume 5 on the Conan. The Conan Omnibuses must be selling really well. Otherwise, they wouldn't be up to Volume 5 on it. Because Avengers isn't up to Volume 5. Spider-Man's not up to Volume 5. X-Men's not up to Volume 5. But Conan's up to Volume 5. <laughs> um... Then you have... Uh, speaking of Avengers, we have Avengers The Gathering Omnibus, which is like 90s, you know, jackets and pockets and pouches and all that fun stuff. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that Gathering is not a good story. I've never read it. I'd be interested in reading it. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, who knows? Maybe I would like it because I've heard things about some other stories from the 90s where people were like, yeah, that's not good. And I read it and I go, eh, I actually liked it. So I don't know. Um, very excited about this. Again, like I was with Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Omnibus Volume 2. They did X-Men by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, Omnibus Volume 2. They also did a re re uh, reprint of Volume 1 a while back. I think I mentioned that in a previous episode. Um, or it could be in the Lost episode, I don't remember. But they have done a, re a new printing of Volume 1. And now here they have the, re the new printing of Volume 2. Very, very excited about this. Um, because... I wanted to have these for my X-Men collection of stuff. And this is when I really got into X-Men. Um, and now it's here. Uh, so, uh, I'm glad I didn't have to go and try to buy it on secondhand market where prices were really getting ridiculous. So, uh, I had mentioned the Marvel select stories before this one's another classic one, Punisher. Welcome back. Frank Marvel select. Very interested in that. Uh, that's the Garth Ennis stuff. Uh, it does have the artwork by Steve Dillon, so I was right with the name being Steve Dillon. Uh, so, again, probably not my favorite artist, but I remember seeing the artwork on this, and I think it all comes down to the inking and everything on this and the coloring. It definitely can strengthen a person's artwork or hurt its artwork. So um, this is, if I remember right, this is pretty good Steve Dillon artwork. So then we have official handbook of the Marvel Universe Deluxe Edition Omnibus. Uh, it's got John Byrne artwork. Um, it is on the cover. It's got just, this is your 1980s Marvel Universe handbook, official handbook stuff that came out. Um, anytime you hear Ohatmu, that's what they're referring to. Ohatmu stands for the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Um, so this is really awesome. If you're a reference type person, if you love reference books about comic book characters, absolutely need to have this in your collection. X-Men Infernal Omnibus. Very excited about this. Um, 
I read, I read Inferno one time and really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I know some people didn't really care for Inferno, but I really liked it. Um, definitely something I want to have added to my X-Men collection. So, uh, one that I found interesting was Thor Epic Collections, the Thor War trade paperback. Uh, never read this. Looks like pretty crazy stuff <laughs> with different versions of, of different Thors. Um, so yeah, it looks cool. Um, then let's see, just skipping ahead a little bit here. Star Wars Legends Epic Collections, Tales of the Jedi. So this goes back to the early days of the Jedi first forming. Uh, you have Dawn of the Jedi, Force Storm 1 through 3, Dawn of the Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi, Prisoner of Bogan 1 through 5. I'm sorry, Force Storm was 1 through 5. Prisoner of Bogan is 1 through 5. Dawn of the Jedi, Force War 1 through 5. And Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi number 0. Um, and then if you remember right, Robert and I long time ago did um, Dawn of the Jedi stories and uh, as a book review. So we actually read some of the books and reviewed those, and those tie into this same timeline that you're seeing here in these Legends books. We are going to do go back to doing novels again. Uh, I just need to finish reading the one story. It takes me a while, not just become a slower reader, because I do read word for word. It's not and it's not that I am a slow reader. That's just how it's because of how I read. I do read everything word for word where a lot of people I know skim. I actually read, heard someone, some people, they'll read the first two, two sentences of a paragraph and then move on to the next paragraph and read the first sentence or two. And it just gives them a general idea of what happens in the story. And then they're done with the story. And I'm like, but you lose all, you lose so much. You lose the, yeah, you might get the general idea of what the story was about, but you lose like character interactions and some of the really picturing the scene and, and in your head and um, some of the nuances of the characters and everything else. Like, I don't know, I read every single word and that's why it takes me a while, but especially when I'm doing stuff for the episodes, I will read a chapter and then I jot down, I write down like generally what happens in that chapter and that, can be a paragraph or two that, that I have to write out and then go back and read the next chapter and then write that out. And I like to read at nighttime. I like reading books at nighttime in bed. So it's not the most conducive for being able to write something down afterwards. So, um, so that's why it takes a while, but like I said, uh, we'll definitely, Robert and I will definitely be covering, uh, the Darth Revan, uh, book, uh, very soon. So, uh, it won't be this year, but it'll be probably very shortly in the new year. So, um, so the last two things I wanted to mention, and since it's super late, I, for me, um, I don't know when the hell you're listening to this, so it could be very early for you, <laughs> but, um, the last two things I wanted to mention were three jokers and Joker war. So I'm going to touch on Joker war first. Um, I really enjoyed Joker war. I know some people were let down with the ending of it. They felt it, it went kind of flat and everything else. Really what Joker War did was it brought everything back to status quo, uh, in a sense. It doesn't bring everything back to status quo, but it brought a lot of things back to status quo, such as the Bat Family. It brought Bruce back together with the rest of the Bat Family, the rest of the Bat Family bringing them back to status quo. So you have Nightwing now remembering who he is again, uh, and being part of the family and, and dealing with all that, all that goes with that. Uh, Batgirl, working, uh, with the rest of the group, 
Um, you have, uh, the only thing I did notice that wasn't in there in the Joker War story, and I don't know if it's because he's off doing stuff with Teen Titans or whatnot, but I felt like he should have been part of the story was Damien was not in Joker War at all. Um, and like I said, I don't know if maybe it's because he's supposed to be off doing something else, but I really felt him not being there. Like I felt like he needed to be there to kind of, again, bring things back to status quo where him and Bruce have dealt with the loss of Alfred together. Um, because Damien was there and Damien feels like he's responsible for Al, uh, Alfred's death. Um, so I think that would have been good. Um, one of the big things that happens, uh, and I, I will say to remember, I am doing spoilers right now. So if you don't want to hear what happens at the end, um, move on, uh, come back to this later. But, um, one of the big things that happens actually happens in the Batgirl title and that's, uh, James Jr. James Gordon Jr. Uh, who is a bit of a psychopath. Uh, he dies, he gets killed. Uh, he, he sets everything up to, uh, harm Batgirl. Uh, he plays it, plays it up a bit to, to try to get her to trust him again and everything else, which she never does. And she finds out that he's actually a killer that, that they were looking for. And he falls to his death. And James Gordon Sr. Uh, blames Batgirl for it. Um, and so it's, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so, uh, you know, Joker doesn't necessarily die at the end of Joker War, but it's kind of, it's shown that he kind of escapes. And um, Bruce doesn't have his money anymore. Uh, Bruce, uh, it's now, with Lucius Fox, who was, uh, subjected to the Joker toxin and he is, uh, still recovering from that. Um, to basically Bruce had all of his money taken away. It was all given to the Joker. Then Catwoman did a heist to get his money back, but had it routed to Lucius Fox. Uh, and Bruce decided to let Lucius keep it. And, uh, Bruce is having to figure how to do things without all the toys and without all of the money resources and everything else. And so that's going to be interesting. So even though that's where I said, like, it's not quite status quo, but it kind of is, it's kind of taking them back to the roots of the character and everything else. So that's really what Joker war is meant to do. There's a lot of, um, people out there now that let loose and wore Joker masks and stuff like that. And, they're still kind of out there. We have a new vigilante anti-hero in clown hunter, which is this kid whose family was killed. And, uh, he decides to hunt down all these clowns and Bruce, uh, Batman meets up with them and tells him you have to stop doing this. Um, and if you don't stop, I will stop you. And clown hunter doesn't really say anything and just kind of like, it's very obvious he's going to continue doing what he's doing, which is killing these, these clown characters. Um, so it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, there's people that didn't really like the ending of it. They felt like the ending fell flat. I actually really liked the ending. Um, I kind of see what they're saying, but at the same time it, it worked for me. Uh, three jokers. Um, I loved this story. This is, 
probably my favorite thing that I've read in the last five years. Um, it might be an exaggeration to say that, but I really, really loved it. Now, there are some problems with it in the sense that Three Jokers was an original concept that started in Justice, uh, Justice League in the new 52 Justice League world, where during Dark Side War, um, Bruce sat in the Mobius chair. And that meant he had omnipotence. He, he had, he was all powerful. And he asked, who is the Joker? Like to, I would assume to find out what who his identity is. Um, and then he's like, no, that can't be or something like that. Like he, he didn't believe the answer he was getting. And then we see, I believe it was in rebirth, the rebirth issue. We see that he has three jokers up on us, uh, joker characters up on his computer, on his back computer. And we don't really get a whole lot more than knowing that there's three of them out there. So then this story, three jokers was supposed to kind of address all of that. So the problem is that Three Jokers is a black label book, which means it doesn't really play into continuity. It's not intended to play into continuity. It doesn't mean it can't. It just means that that's not what the black labels are designed for. The black labels are designed to tell just compelling stories using DC characters. Um, and they're for a mature audience. Um, so there's a, it, it still could work, but there's a little bit of a flaw because at the end of three jokers, Batman reveals Bruce reveals to Alfred that he always knew. So obviously the, if this did take place in the, the main universe, this is before city of Bane where Alfred gets killed. So, but Bruce reveals to Alfred that he always knew who the Joker was. He knew after, I think he says, I think it was two or three weeks after Joker first appeared, he knew then who the Joker originally was, like who that, but he never, he still never says, which I really liked that. I really liked the fact that he never actually says who the Joker is. Um, but he says that I always, I always knew who he was. Like he's like, I'm the greatest detective. He said, I've been trained by the greatest detectives and everything else. He said, you don't think I figured out who, who he was by, uh, by now. Um, and this shocked Alfred, like, holy crap, you always knew who he really was. Um, so that's where the disconnect happens because if he always knew and didn't need the Mobius chair to know who he is, then why did he ask the Mobius chair? Was he testing the Mobius chair? But then he was shocked at the answer. And he didn't know that there was three jokers out there, which opens it up to. So I'll, I'll tell you why there was three jokers there. The original joker was trying to make a better joker. So he used the mixture that made him the joker to make other jokers. Some of them died. A lot of them died. And the only ones that survived were these three jokers. One of them being supposed to be the original. Maybe based on some wording and everything else, it's possible that none of them were the original Joker. Again, it depends on how you interpret some of the wording. One of them could have been the original Joker. Um, only one of them survives the whole thing. Uh, and it's basically the, uh, the killing joke version of the Joker. Um, 
which I believe is known as the clown. So there's the criminal, the clown, and some uh, criminal, the clown. There's another C one in there. But anyways, there's there's three of them. I always forget what the third one is. Um, but oh, comedian. So the criminal, the clown, and the comedian, and it might be the comedian. It is the comedian's the one that survives because it's from the Killing Joke. Um, so that's the one that survives, and it's a total tie-in to the Killing Joke because if you remember in the Killing Joke, the origin of the Joker was that he had a family. He had a oh, he had a wife who's pregnant and then the wife dies in this story. It retroactively changes that. And, um, in a really, really cool way is that the police wanted to help her because she was fearful of her life and fearful for her unborn child. So they put money together and, and secure her away someplace where she can live her life anonymously. And again, the Batman knew where she is. He travels out there and sees that she's okay, and he sees that she has a son, which we never knew. So the Joker actually has a son out in the real world, This, it, which is an awesome reveal. This is also makes this like a big deal of an issue because if they ever do anything with the Joker's son, if they ever continue this, this is the first appearance of that character. Um, so Bruce reveals that he always knew who the Joker was. He... He's visiting, he goes to check on the family and Joker's family. He's hoping the Joker never finds out who that they actually lived. Um, and so that all plays into the killing joke, which is awesome. Uh, there's a whole thing with, uh, Jason and Barbara, Jason Todd and Barbara have a kiss and Barbara sees it as a mistake. Jason really feels like they could have something more. He writes a note to her. Uh, at the end and says, you know, I can be a better person for you. Um, I think we can make this work, but if you never want to speak of this, I will never bring it up. And if you never want to talk about it, I'll understand. He leaves a note, that note falls off the door and it's swept away by a janitor. So Jason's never going to bring it up again because he says in the note, he's never going to bring it up. Barbara's never going to bring it up because she never saw the note. Um, and the, the janitor is wearing a purple jumpsuit. And I really wonder if it was the Joker taking that note down and sweeping it away. Cause in the, in three Jokers, the Joker has figured out, he knows who Batman is. He knows that Batman's Bruce. He knows that Jason Todd is, was the red hood. He knows that Barbara Gordon's is Batgirl. Like he knows who everybody is. He, you know, finally reveals he knows who everyone is. They also reveal that in Joker War, by the way, is that Joker knows who Bruce is. Like, he knows who everyone is. Um, so I like how that can be played with a bit more. And, and in Joker War, he says, I'm never going to tell anyone. I'm never going to reveal, you know, any, you know, this because otherwise it takes all the fun away. Um, so, yeah, so in Three Jokers, I, th- I thought that was... I love the ties to the killing joke. I love some of this like stuff that's left hanging out there. Um, I loved all of it. Like I said, the only part that falls apart a bit is if Bruce always knew who the Joker was, then why did he ask it in the Mobius chair? And why was he shocked by the answer? Unless again, unless he was testing the Mobius chair to see if it would give him the answer that he already knew. And then when it told him there was three of them uh, or how, whatever it told him that made him know there was three of them, 
that shocked him because he knew there should only be one. And then you have the story. That's the only way it kind of works out for me is that that's what happens. So does three Jokers take place in the main universe? It should because they set it up in the main universe, but I don't know. It depends on if they do anything more with it. But as far as just a good, awesome story that kind of spins out and has ties to the killing joke, it's phenomenal. Uh, there's also a resolution made when it comes to Joe Chill. So Joe Chill, who killed Bruce's parents, there's a whole arc with him and how that resolves is, is really cool. Um, I love how that worked all worked out. Um, the art is fucking amazing. Jason Fabok is incredible as an artist. So like I said, I love the story. I love the artwork. There's just that one little strand out there that makes it a little imperfect, but that's okay. Um, uh, like I said, just that, that whole Mobius chair thing is the only thing that's just like, okay, if you always knew, then why did you ask? Like I said, I, I can make it kind of work in my head where he asked to, to test the Mobius chair because he knew what the answer should be. And when the answer wasn't that, then he was like shocked and taken aback. So I can kind of play it that way in my head. Um, that's kind of how it could work. Um, but yeah, loved three jokers. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, if you're a fan of the killing joke, you need to pick this up and you need to read it. So, uh, that is everything. It is freaking late as hell here. So I am going to be calling it a night. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will get another one out to you guys with more previews. And then, like I mentioned, we'll be getting into the, some flash issues and everything else, hopefully before the end of the year. So, uh, with that, I'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.